following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, how are you doing? It's Pepsi Mama, inviting you to uh, spend another three hours with uh, Vic and me as uh, we bring you another edition of the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, like Ice Cream Sunday. Um, we hope that you like what you hear, and... Um, if you do, you are welcome to go on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, hit the like buttons. We hope you will. And uh, you can subscribe to us on YouTube. And speaking of that, I got a new phone, and I'm having trouble with my new my YouTube, but I'll figure it out. If you can't catch us live, those are our live feeds, Twitter. Uh, YouTube and Facebook. Uh, Facebook, it's um, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? W-H-O-S-E, that kind of who's. And uh, not the not the contraction, which means who who is, but who's like like you possess it. <laughs> who's? Who's? It's mine. but anyway if you don't like uh, you know if you can't catch us live or whichever you can find us on any just about any podcast feed that you want to Um, QCast Spotify Apple um, Google uh Alexa and um, just anybody else that you can think of other than Audible Audible they we're not quite good enough for um, Audible <laughs> they're snobs yeah they're, they're snobbish so uh, <laughs> but um, if you want to comment if you want to to uh, send me comments or questions or requests or what have you uh, my address is afternoon radio afternoon radio theater Sunday at gmail.com but in today's program I'm gonna be doing for you um, <laughs> it's a show it's it's called the big show and it's one of these uh, variety shows it has singing and dancing and uh, all sorts of stuff in it. But it stars um, a lady named Tallulah Bankhead. And um, she has a rather deep, loud voice. But she, um, she's been in the movies a little bit, but she's done mostly, she's done mostly stage acting. But, um, these shows each are an hour and a half long so that's the reason I only picked two of them and uh, 
so anyway, I know uh, Victor, he'll probably shoot me because <laughs> some of these variety shows he likes and some of them he can't stand. So, <laughs> so if y'all hear about uh, a lady that, uh, he took a bull whip to, then you'll know it was me <laughs> or that, or, or that some lady got whipped by a bull whip. You'll know, you'll know it was me and you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this first one that I have for you, it's uh, it features um, Jimmy Durante and Fred Allen, and it doesn't really have a name. It just it just tells you who's in the show is the name of the show. So y'all kick back and enjoy it. This hour and 30 minutes, this program will present in person such bright stars as Fred Allen, Mindy Carson, Jimmy Durante, Jose Pereira, Portland Hoffa, Frankie Lane, Paul Lucas, Ethel Merman, Russell Knight, Danny Thomas, Meredith Wilson, and my name, darling, is Lula Bankhead. <laughs> National Broadcasting Company presents The Big Show. The Big Show, 90 minutes with the most scintillating personalities in the entertainment world. Brought to you this Sunday and every Sunday at the same time as the Sunday feature of Five Show Festival. NBC's star-studded five-night-a-week program extravaganza. Tonight's big show is presenting such top-flight stars as Fred Allen, Mindy Carson, Jimmy Durante, Jose Ferrer, Portland Hoffa, Frankie Lane, Ethel Merman, Paul Lucas, Russell Knight, Danny Thomas, and Meredith Wilson. And here is your hostess, the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. This is Radio 1950, the greatest stars of our time on one big program. And the most fabulous part about this, darling, is that every Sunday we will present other stars of the same magnitude. Uh, Pardon me if I sound like a name dropper, but uh, let's listen to three or four of the names we've lined up for next week's show. Groucho Marx, Annie Bryce, Jane Powell, and Ezio Henza. Well, now, don't just sit there with your mouths open, darlings. I know what you're thinking. You think such a radio show every week is impossible. And I'm sure that after you hear our first broadcast, you're going to say that show was impossible. Oh, no, that doesn't sound quite right. (laughs) But NBC says nothing is impossible. All it takes is courage, vision, and a king-sized bundle of dough. Each week, there will be comedy, drama, music... All performed by the biggest stars we can find. Of course, darlings, now and then a clinker may sneak in, but we're going to try... Just a minute, just a minute. I heard that last remark and I resemble it. Jimmy, you let him! Jimmy, darling, 
This is really... Don't a... doll on me. I heard you call me a clinker. Oh. Now, Jimmy, I did no such thing. I heard what you said, clinker. S-T-I-N. No, Jimmy, no. You know I've never accused you of being a clinker. I'm deliriously happy you dropped everything out in Hollywood just to appear on our show. Oh, I didn't come here just for this. I'm here on a secret mission to the United Nations. Really? I've been listening to them UN meetings, and I found out something. What's that, darling? You know what I think? No. I think Malik and Vashinsky are communists. <laughs> oh. Jim, USSR? Of course I'm sure. <laughs> That's why I'm here. Well, I'm glad you're with us, because when we first decided to do this show... I said it wouldn't be a big show without Jimmy Durante. You did? Now, that's the kind of a line I can sink my teeth into. <laughs> Let me read that again. You did? <laughs> I certainly did. I insisted you be on the show. Oh, you had to insist, huh? No, no, no. I even wrote them a letter recommending you. I said, gentlemen, I have known Jimmy Durante for a great many years. And I have always found him to be five feet, eight inches tall. Five feet, nine inches. I now wear my hair in a nup sweep. <laughs> Since last I saw you, I grew some. No, I don't think you are, darling. <laughs> no, I, I, I wouldn't settle for anybody but you, because I've always been your greatest admirer. Well, that makes it anonymous. Because... <laughs> Because for years I've admired you from afar. With that nose, darling, how else? Chalu, that's a fine how you do. Goodbye. Oh, no, Jimmy, Jimmy, come back. After all, I went through to get you on this program. You mean it was because of my beauty and charm? No, darling. My winning smile? No, darling. My swooning voice? No, darling. Please, I'm running out of reasons. <laughs> Jimmy, I, I have a date off the show tonight. Would you care to join us? I, I'll get a girl for you. Oh, no, not me. I don't go out on blind dates. The other day, a friend of mine gave me the number of a girl he wanted me to know. Blind dates are for me, and when she answered the phone, I gave her my sweetest hello. Snuggling up close to the phone, I says, Durante's speaking. How about going out with me tonight? She says, before I go out with you, what do you look like? What a dilemma. Should I tell her the truth and be turned down? Or should I lie and worry about it later? There was no way out. So instead, I braced myself and said, Say I wouldn't say I was handsome. Say I Say I was cute I'm not very tall But gosh darn it all It's kind of hard to put in words You know the other night I made a blind date the same way over the phone I said hello She said hello come right over When I got there she took one look at my nose and said You sure must have hurried you forgot to hang up the phone <laughs> Yes it's kind of hard to put it in words Say it's not that I want to be mysterious Honest, I'm not trying to stall Believe me, I'm really quite serious I'm just an in-between rascal, that's all Well, I know I'm not good-looking 
But what's my opinion against thousands of others? <laughs> now, I wouldn't say I'm fascinating. Too bad I'm not hallucinating. Say I wouldn't even try when we meet, she'll know why. Cause it's kind of hard to put it in words. You know, folks, I got a problem in really describing myself. And it's getting pretty serious. Let's analyze the facts. I can safely say I'm as pretty as Van Johnson. I can safely say I'm as pretty as Tyrone Power. I can safely say I'm as pretty as Cary Grant. As long as this show isn't on television, I can safely say anything. <laughs> I once had a blind date with a beautiful gal, and after that, I met her every night for three weeks straight. I was crazy about it, because every time I kissed her, she used to keep her eyes closed. One night she opened her eyes, and what happened? I never saw her again. Say now I wouldn't say I was a highbrow. My looks won't raise an eyebrow. Say I'm not a Shakespeare. It would take me a year. Cause it's kind of hard to put it in words. Yes, sir. It's kind of hard to put it in Darling, I don't know how you do it, Jimmy. Jimmy, come back here. You're a genius. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> you're, a, you're a genius, Jimmy. Oh, I wouldn't say genius. Okay, darling, I won't. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Put up a little fight, can't you? Now, no time for that, Jimmy. I must now introduce our next guest. You... Wait a minute. You mean somebody else is in this show? <laughs> of course, my sweet. I thought you said I was the only one. Oh, no, my darling. We have three exciting stars coming up now. They're in Broadway's biggest hit, Call Me Madam. Presented by Leland Haywood, the music by Irving Berlin, book by Howard Lindsay and Russell Krauss, and dances stage by Jerome Robbins. And here are the stars I was telling you about. Ethel Merman, Paul Lucas, and Russell Knight. Okay, Chaloo, I'm going to my dressing room. If you need help, call me. And from the looks of these characters, you'll be needing some pretty soon. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure I won't need any help here. Because in Call Me Madam, the great merman is rocking Broadway in her role as Lady Ambassador. She just, uh, she got the job as Ambassador because she was Washington's most popular party floor. Now tell us, Ethel. How you became the hostess with the mostest on the ball. I was born on a thousand acres of Oklahoma land. Nothing grew on a thousand acres, for it was gravel and sand. One day, father started digging in a field, hoping to find some soil. He dug and he dug, and what do you think? Oil, oil, oil. The money rolled in and I rolled out with a fortune piled so high. Washington was my destination. And now, who am I? I'm the chosen party giver for the White House clientele. And they know that I deliver what it takes to make them gel. And in Washington, I'm known by one and all. 
with the most dishonorable. They would go to Elder Maxwell when they had an axe to grind. They could always grind their axe well at the party she designed. Now the hatchet grinders all prefer to call on the hostess with the mostest on the ball. I've a great big bar and good caviar, yes, the best that can be found. And a large amount in my bank account when election time comes round. If you're feeling presidential, you can make it, yes, indeed. There are just three things essential. Let me tell you all you need is an ounce of wisdom and a pound of gold. And the hostess with the mostess on the ball. There'll be no mistakes. I've got what it takes to make friends across the sea. I'll make being smart an important part of my foreign policy. I'll cement our good relations when I give my first affair. There'll be special invitations to the Duke and Duchess there, who's already written, asking them to call. Not the priestess with the leastess, but the hostess with the mostess, with the mostess of the The country Ethel is ambassador to is Lichtenberg. Now, don't look for it on your maps, darlings. It's strictly a musical comedy country full of politics, peasants, and Paul Lucas. Welcome to Lichtenburg. I don't think you know much about us. Except, of course, our famous Lichtenburg cheese. I know very well you enjoy it, and we would enjoy it too. But we can't afford it, for we must have dollars, and so we send it to you. At the moment, I am not very popular. As finance minister, I had to cancel our annual Lichtenburg Fair. I shall absolutely decline to serve in this post again in next week's cabinet. I shall try to be foreign minister. I'm very curious about this new American ambassador, this fabulous Mrs. Sally Adams. What a fantastic country, this America. First they create the atom bomb, and then they send a woman as ambassador to Lichtenburg. How they love to play with explosives. <laughs> but Lichtenburg won't be offended. We'll manage to stay alive. We're not very touchy, this quaint little dodgy that somehow seems to survive. Too small to be a city, too big to be a town, too poor to have an army, and too easy to knock down
to please the young old, too fast to please the old. Too many who have copper pennies, too few who have gold. But somehow we manage to play the game. Ambassador Ethel's first official move, naturally, is to offer Luxembourg the loan of a hundred million bucks. Luxembourg being a musical comedy country, Paul Lucas turns down the loan. But Ethel falls in love with this new type guy, and she doesn't mind dropping a few hints about the way she feels. Money, 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 can you use any money today? Money, 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 nice new bills that we're giving away. There are photographs on everyone, Lincoln Grant and Washington, or you might like the ones with Henry Clay. Can you use any money today? Two million, four million, six million, eight million, ten. Take what you want, when it's gone, you can come back again. Bills that haven't been printed yet, you can have them by the sack. Coins that haven't been minted yet, that you never have to give back. Money, 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 Uncle Sam puts it right on the line. And if we ever run out of checks for him to sign, you can have Money, 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 can you use any dollars today? Money, 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 we've so much that it gets in our way. In our treasury there's a mighty sum, millions we've subtracted from the envelopes that hold our take-home pay. Can you use any money today? Home in the States, underground, there's a cave full of gold. Backed up a truck and we'll fill it with all it can hold. Take ten million and please don't fuss if you find it can't be spent. You can lend it right back to us and we'll pay you seven percent. Money, 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 Uncle Sam puts it right on the line. And if that fellow with whiskers ever should decline, you can have mine, all of mine, you can have mine. 
darling, you've heard this before. I skipped a cue. Lichtenberg being a musical comedy country, Paul Lucas turns down the loan, but Ethel falls in love with this new type guy, and she doesn't mind dropping a few hints about the way she feels. <laughs> Let me say from the start, I don't pretend to be smart. I just suggest what I think best, having your interest at heart. I only want what's the best thing for you. And the best thing for you would be me. I've been convinced after thinking it through that the best thing for you would be me. matters, Ethel's young assistant, played by Russell Knight, falls in love with Princess Maria, daughter of the Grand Duke. Well, Ethel and Russell have rough going in their respective love affairs, so they put their heads together and they're going to sing about it for you. I hear singing and there's no one there. I smell blossoms and the trees are bare. All day long I seem to walk on air. I wonder why, I wonder why. I keep talking in my sleep at night. And what's more, I've lost my appetite. Stars that used to twinkle in the sky are twinkling in my eyes, I wonder why. You don't need analyzing. It is not so surprising. 
going to tell you how it all comes out, darling, because you'll be wanting to see it for yourself one of these years. <laughs> but to you, Ethel Merman, Paul Lucas, and Russell Knight, a million congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Well, now, Ethel, darling, um, here you are in another musical hit that's sure to run at least two years. How many does that make, Ethel? I'll bet you've been in about 30 musicals that have run at least two years. <laughs> Dear, but I'll look it up in my bank book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, dear. <laughs> oh, and Paul, darling, finding Ethel in a musical, well, that's no novelty. But how did you, a dramatic actor, decide to do a Broadway musical? Well, Tallulah, it's a long story. Yeah, well, that's very you see, darling. Ethel, I suppose you must be bothered by hundreds of friends calling up a ticket for your show. So, of course, I wouldn't dream of bothering you about the shoes that I've been trying to get. A man, a man stopped me on the street in Hollywood one day. Oh, it's no bother at all. I happen to have two tickets with me, but they're way back in the fourth row, and knowing your eyes... I'll take them, now. <laughs> oh, by the way, are you still charging the same brokerage fee you charge for Annie Get the Gun? And this man said to me, Paul, how are you? <laughs> And I said, oh, I cannot complain. Why, Kalula, dear, I wouldn't dream of charging you. Now that you've had to become a radio announcer. Please. And this man says to me, Paul, what are you doing now? And I said, I've been talking to you. And we both laughed, <laughs> except him. Oh, Ethel, darling, darling, for your, for your information, I will have you know that I just finished a long run in private lives. And if you remember also... Miss Merman, you came to see me in that with two tickets I gave you. Well, I felt someone should show up to you. <laughs> well, this man and I stood there talking on the street. 
for about an hour, and I, I caught a very bad cold. Ethel, my pet, private lives happen to be one of my biggest hits. And there were many others, as you well know, the little foxes, if you please. I've been in a few myself. There was Girl Crazy. Dark Victory. Anything Goes. Skin of Our Teeth. Panama Hattie. Private Lies. Annie, Get Your Gun. Private Lies. <laughs> so I went home and took a hot bath. <laughs> but my soul didn't get better. Call me Madam. Pal Joey. You weren't in Pal Joey. No, but Jean Kelly, who happens to be one of my very best friends, is in it, and she gave me two tickets. <laughs> she got you tickets. So I finally decided I'd better go and see my doctor. And besides, Lou, Pal Joey happens to be a musical, something you've never been in, my dear. Well, of course I haven't, darling. I'm in a legitimate theater. <laughs> a great dramatic play. My doctor is a specialist in clothes. He has them all the time. Great play, huh? Rodney, it was beautiful while it lasted. But now we've come to the parting of the ways. We are through. Finish. Finny. Choice of one. Musicals. <laughs> Musicals, indeed. <laughs> I got rid of my... And my doctor cured me. I got rid of my... I got rid of... Who can ask for anything more? <laughs> My dear Paul, I've neglected you, haven't I? Uh, now, what were you saying, dear? Well, it is a long story, Tallulah. <laughs> you see a man suffering on the street in Hollywood one oh, day. Oh, Tallulah, dear, will you excuse me? I have to go to my dressing room and change for my next scene. Of course, Ethel. Go right ahead. It was so nice talking to you. We always have such stimulating conversations when we get together, don't we, darling? Oh, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. And I want you to know, Tallulah, that Paul and I have had such fun working with you, haven't we, Paul? And this man says to be Paul. <laughs> right. I want you to know, Tallulah, that it's an honor and a pleasure to be on the same stage with such a great and talented artist as you are. Now, just a minute. What do you mean by that? Oh, Tallulah, for goodness sake, let's not start that again, because if you do, I'm liable to haul off and ring your chimes. If anybody is going to ring my chimes around here, I'm going to ring my chimes. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. <laughs> Show. This is the National Broadcasting Company Sunday Extravaganza with the most scintillating personalities in show business. This portion of the program is the Sunday feature of NBC's star-studded five-show festival of comedy, music, drama, and mystery presented five nights a week and brought to you by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television, and by the makers of Anison for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. The big stars in our first program are... Fred Allen, Mindy Carson, Jimmy Durante, Jose Ferrer, Portland Hoffa, Frankie Lane, Paul Lucas, Ethel Merman, Russell Knight, Danny Thomas, and Meredith Wilson. And here is your hostess, the glamorous Tallulah Bankhead. You know, darlings, we have more stars on this show than there are in the Milky Way. From the candy bar, the same name. 
We have assembled in our show in Radio City Center Theater in New York some of the greatest entertainers of our time. We have such people as... Uh, just a minute. Just a minute. Hold the show. Stop that dialogue. James Durante, what's the matter now? What's the matter, she says. I'm sitting in my dressing room in front of my mirror, plucking my eyebrows, putting on my makeup. Max Factor Ingenue number two. <laughs> I look in the mirror, and the fellow in the mirror ain't doing the same thing as I'm doing. Well, who was it? I don't know, but there he is standing out there now. Oh, Jimmy, that's Danny Thomas. <laughs> Danny, darling. Just a minute, you. You mean me? Yeah, you. I want to ask you a question. Answer yes or no. Where did you get that nose? Ask you the same question. Where did you get your nose? I had this nose for years. Well, I've had my nose for years. Oh, now, please, darling. Stay don't. out of this, no nose. <laughs> this is a catastrophe. There's only room on this program for one schnozzola. Either he takes his nose and goes, or I take my nose and goes. Goodbye, Jimmy, darling. This is sabotage. <laughs> okay, I'm going. And after the show, I'll be waiting outside for you and your nose. Yeah, what are you going to do about my nose? I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. He's a whimsical character, isn't he? Another impersonator. I suppose everybody thinks he can do an impression of Jimmy Durante. Oh, darling, that was. How do you like the nerve of that guy? He doesn't like my nose. You didn't even give it a chance. I should have said, I should have said it's a kind of a nose that grows on you, I should have said. Who did you think he is, Durante? It was. Either your nose goes or my nose goes, he says. I should have said, well, you take yours and blow, I should have said. <laughs> I should have said, I should have said, now look here, Durante, I don't... That was Durante? And person. Well, why don't you tell me? He's my favorite, I... I've idolized him ever since I was a kid. Oh, well, Danny, you can apologize to him later. Well, I most certainly will apologize. I'll get down on my hands and nose. I mean, knees. <laughs> but look, Tallulah, I don't want any trouble with anybody. I'm at peace with the world. Honest, I am. I, I've been to a psychiatrist. I feel oh. wonderful. As a matter of fact, I, I have a song on the subject. Oh, all right, darling. Will you tell us about it, Danny? I'd, I'd love to tell you about it. There seems to be so much chaos in the world. People hating everybody and everybody in a big hurry to die. I figured that a little philosophy would help. In other words, things aren't so bad that they couldn't be worse, so don't worry, they'll be worse. <laughs> the title of the song is Take It Easy, Be Casual, Relax. Does this hectic world around get you down? Are you gloomier than anyone in town? May I, in all humility, suggest a simple cure? And if you care to heed it, You'll be happier, I'm sure. For instance, when you're betting on a horse, you're gonna win, of course. You're already planning on two new Cadillacs. When you lose, make this note just before you cut your throat. Take it easy, be casual, relax. Or when you come home late some night You don't put out the light As you quietly remove your coat and your slacks When the lights glare in your eyes And your friends all yell surprise Take it easy, be casual, but pull your pants up No, I say that because you can be too casual 
And if you're too casual, you're liable to become blasé. And if you're blazed, you're not having fun. No, with you, everything is, eh, so what? That's an awful thing. And drive people to suicide. Eh, so what? I know a story about a fellow out on the West Coast. Not so long ago, he went to a rancher. And he said to the fellow, sell me a horse. I don't care how much you charge me. I have to have this horse delivered to my house tomorrow. The next day, the horse was delivered. The fellow said to the rancher, bring the horse into the house, take him right into the bathroom and put him in the bathtub. If the request was silly, but it was complied with. And then the rancher said, friend, I've been selling horses for nigh under 40 years. That's the first one I ever put in a bathtub. What you want that horse in the bathtub for? The fellow said, look, it's my brother-in-law from the east. One of them wise guys driving me nuts. Nothing impresses this guy. I took him to MGM Studios. I got Clark Gable's autograph for him. I said to him, aren't you excited? Clark Gable. He says, eh, so what? Uh. <laughs> I took him to the Brown Derby, to the Coliseum, to the Rose Bowl. I said, isn't this sensational? He says, eh, so what? Uh. <laughs> Nothing disturbs that guy. Nothing excites him. Everything is, eh, so what? Uh. Well, tomorrow morning when he comes running out of the bathroom and he says, hey, there's a horse in the bathtub. I'm going to say, eh, so Easy. Be calm and be cool. Men, if your wife runs off with all your jacks, it could be worse. She might come back. <laughs> and bring her mother with her. <laughs> that was cruel. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I wish to apologize to all the mothers-in-law present and those who are listening. Not mine, just to those present. <laughs> I'm not going to tell mother-in-law jokes. I stopped telling those kind of jokes 14 years ago. That's when I got married. Since then, they haven't been so funny. <laughs> but I read a story in a book on folklore called Mother-in-Law Relativity. That to me is as fine a bit of psychology coupled with humor I've ever read. And you've got to hear it. Two women meet in the street. And after the usual salutations, one woman says, And tell me, darling, how's your daughter? <laughs> she said, My daughter, thank God. Very lucky. My daughter married a man that's a prince. He don't let her put her hands in cold water. She stays in bed till 12 o'clock noon every day. Shops by sex like a movie star. And what do you think? Every afternoon, drinks cocktails. My daughter's very lucky. The woman said, that's wonderful. And how's your son? <laughs> huh? Don't ask. That's two boy. He married one of those fancy schmancy girls, but got to stay in bed till 12 o'clock noon every day. Spends all of his money by sex, and she's a drunkard. Drinks cocktails all the time. So when your business takes you far from home, and you call your wife on the phone, your name is John, and she says, Hello, Max. Don't be blue or discontent Maybe Max will split the rent Take it easy Be casual If you wanna have fun Here's how it's done Danny, that was delightful. 
And what a performance you gave, especially for someone who's just flown in from California. You must be dead tired, darling. Yes, and I can say in all modesty that everyone thinks I'm a tired comedian. Uh, not I, darling. No, I told them at NBC who were planning the show that it couldn't be a big broadcast without Danny Thomas. How can I ever repay you for coming? With money. <laughs> now, no schmo he. I was only joking, Lula. Believe me, I'm honored to be listed among the great names on this show. I would have appeared on this song, uh, in this program for a song. Well, how lucky for me, because I was wondering about how to introduce Mindy Carson. Mindy, darling. Hello, Tallulah. Hello, Danny. <laughs> Mindy, Danny just told me that he would do this show for a song. So it's up to you, darling. How about it? Oh, yes, I'd love to. I'd like to sing my latest RCA Victor recording. It's called... A rainy day refrain. I'm dreaming to the rhythm of the rain. Get the sweetest memories from the rhythm of a rainy day refrain. I've got that little love song on my brain. I guess there's no escaping from the rhythm of a rainy day refrain The lovely day we met I still remember well Who cared if it was wet Cause like the rain we fell An April afternoon A rainy day romance The raindrops played a tune Our hearts began to dance So in love, I'll always love the rain. I get the sweetest memories from the rhythm of a rainy day refrain.
You folks at home, would you please glance over here just a second? What do you see? A small table radio, a console, a radio phonograph? For as low as $12.95, you can add the RCA Victor 45 RPM system of recorded music to your present set, regardless of size, age, or make. Now, at this low price, you needn't be without the music you want when you want it. You've seen the Victrola 45 attachment. It's the automatic changer that plays the amazing 7-inch records. Everyone's going 45. It's all play and no work. Load a stack of your favorites with one hand in one swift motion. Press a button and relax. 45s can play as long as ordinary 12-inch records, and you can store them in a bookshelf. The 45 is yours for only $12.95. So don't put off all that pleasure. See and hear the RCA Victor 45 at your dealers right away. Just ten days from now, Broadway will have its first showing of a new movie which has already stirred vast excitement in all who love the tradition of a great performer in a great play. The movie is Stanley Kramer's production of Rostand's immortal comedy, Cyrano. And here, in a sneak preview, is the distinguished young star of the picture, Jose Ferrer, as Cyrano de Bergerac. century France. The place, the Theatre Bourgogne in Paris. Angrily mounted on a chair, just below the footlights is the heroic figure of Cyrano de Bergerac, who has just stopped the play and ordered the foppish actor Montfleury off the stage. In all France, there is no one to match Cyrano as swordsman, poet, playwright, and wit. And in all France, nay, in all the world, there is no nose to match the size of Cyrano's outlandish nose. Ah, but a member of the audience dare speak. Monsieur, how dare you interrupt the play? What a scandal to send the great Montfleury scampering from the stage tail between his legs. Did you know the Comte de Guiche is his patron? Who is yours? No one. No one? No patron? I said no. What? No great lord to cover with his name? No, I have told you twice. Must I repeat? No, sir. No patron. <laughs> and when do you leave Paris? Sir? The Comte de Guiche has a long arm. Mine is longer by the three feet of my sword. <laughs> yes, yes. But your dream of daring... I do dream of daring. But you... you may go now. But you... you may go. Or tell me... Why are you staring at my nose? Uh, no, I... Uh, Does is... it astonish you? Oh, your great misunderstanding. Is it answer. long and soft and dangling like a trunk? I never said I... Or crooked like an owl's beak? Really, or I... Or perhaps a pimple ornaments the end of it? Oh, no. Or a fly parading up and down? What is this portent? Oh, please. This phenomenon? Uh, I have been careful not to look. Oh, and why not, if you please? Oh, why? It's a disgust. You then? Oh, my dear Does sir. Does its color appear to you unwholesome? Oh, by no means. Or its form obscene? Not in the least. Then why assume this deprecating manner? Possibly you find it just a trifle large. 
Oh, no. Uh, small. Uh, very small. Infinitesimal. Uh, tiny. What? You accuse me of absurdity. Small my nose. Why, magnificent my nose. My collar. You're choking. You pug, you knob, you buttonhead. Know that I glory in this nose of mine, for a great nose indicates a great man. Genial, courteous, intellectual, virile, and courageous. Whilst your face... That blank, inglorious concavity which my right hand finds on top of you is as devoid of pride, of poetry, of soul, of picturesqueness, of contour, of character, of nose, in short, as that which at the end of that limp spine of yours, my left foot... Oh, help! Help! Help the God! Help! Save me! Presently, this fellow will go tiresome. Eh, Valver? Oh, he blows his big horn. Huh? Well, don't just stand there, Valvere. You're the finest swordsman in France. Do something. Gladly. Uh, Monsieur de Bergerac, uh, <laughs> your nose is... Your nose is rather large. Rather? <laughs> oh, well. Is that all? Well, of course. Ah, no, young sir, you're too simple. Why, you might have said, oh, a great many things. Mon Dieu, why waste your opportunity? For example, thus. Aggressive. I, sir, if that nose were mine, I would have it amputated on the spot. Friendly. How do you drink with such a nose? <laughs> Descriptive. Tis a rock, a crag, a cape. A cape? <laughs> Say rather a peninsula. Inquisitive. Uh, what is that receptacle? A razor case or a portfolio? <laughs> Kindly. Ah, do you love the little birds so much that when they come and sing to you, you give them this to perch on? <laughs> Cautious. Take care. A weight like that might make you top-heavy. Eloquent. When it blows, the typhoon howls. Dramatic. When it bleeds... <sighs> the Red Sea. Uh, simple... When do they unveil the monument? Uh, military. Beware. A secret weapon. <laughs> Respectful, sir, I recognize in you a man of parts. A man of uh, prominence. <laughs> Enterprising. <gasps> what a sign for some perfumer. <laughs> Practical. Uh, why not a lottery with this as the grand prize? <laughs> or Literary. Was this the nose that launched a thousand ships? <laughs> These, my dear sir, are some of the things you might have said had you some tinge of letters or of wit to color your discourse. But of wit, not so. You never had an atom. And of letters, you need but three to write you down. A-S-S. What? Ask. <laughs> sir, I warn you. And I, sir, warn you. Moreover, if you had the intention here before these folk to make a jest of me, be sure you would not then articulate the twentieth part of half a syllable of the beginning. For I say these things lightly enough myself about myself, but I allow none else to other them. Insolent puppy. Dolt, bumpkin, fool. How do you do? And I, Cyrano, Savignan, Hercule de Bergerac. Vicomte Come. Such arrogance. This scarecrow who... Look at him. No ribbons, no lace. Not even gloves. True. I carry my adornments only on my soul, decked with deeds instead of ribbons, crowned with a white plume of freedom. But... But I have no gloves. 
A pity, too. I had one, the last one of an old pair, and uh, lost that. <laughs> Very careless of me. Some gentleman offered me an impertinence. I left it in his face. So be it. Your sword. My sword. You shall die exquisitely. <laughs> Jose, that was a very exciting performance you gave us, Cyrano. And I know when everyone sees you in the pictures, they'll be even more thrilled. But I, I hope Broadway isn't lost, hasn't lost you to the movies entirely, you know, because, well, there are critics who consider you the greatest actor on the American stage today. Oh, well, now, Tallulah, I, I wouldn't say the greatest. Okay, darling, I won't. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Tallulah. Put up a little fight, can't you? Uh, I'd like to meet this gentleman, if I may, Miss Blanchett. Oh, of course, darling. Jose, this is Meredith Wilson. Meredith, say hello to Jose Ferrer. Hello, Jose Ferrer. How do you do? Why, uh, Mr. Ferrer, I certainly enjoyed that little recitation you just spoke. Recitation? <laughs> yeah, about the fellow with the big nose. It re reminded me of a fellow back home. He had a big nose, too. Named, uh, Wally Parker. A nose named Wally Parker. Yes. No, his name was Wally Parker. Do you think I meant his nose was named Wally Parker? <laughs> no, his name was Wally Parker. <laughs> How do you like that, Miss Banker? He thought I meant his nose was named Wally Parker. <laughs> uh, Meredith, dear boy, will you go on with your sordid little story? <laughs> yes. Well, uh, this all happened back in my hometown, Mason City, Iowa. Yes, a one-nighter. Yeah. And uh, one night he was going to propose to his girl, Susie Witherspoon. But on account of his nose, he just couldn't get up the courage to ask her to marry him. Well, she finally married a fellow named Ralph Douglas. He's in the feed business. They're very happy. <laughs> uh, Tallulah, is this the fellow who made that brilliant music for our... Uh... Yes, yes, darling, it is. But he's written a lot of beautiful songs, too. He has a new one now called The Peony Bush. How about it, Meredith? Will you play it? Sure, I'd be glad to. Oh, by the way, I just happened to remember. The fellow's name was Ben Parker, not Wally. <laughs> that makes it even funnier. <laughs> Will you play Peony Bush? <laughs> But the peony bush there in my garden 
He did the trickiest, trickiest one, two, three. Please decorate my garden gate forever, and never will there be any bush. But that's the only bush for me. Remarkable way to relieve the pain of headaches, neuritis, and neuralgia. The name is Anacin, spelled A-N-A-C-I-N. Thousands of men and women first discovered these tablets when they were given an envelope containing Anacin by their own physicians or dentists. Perhaps you yourself at some time have learned about Anacin this way. If so, you know how incredibly fast and effective these tablets are. Anacin is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anacin contains not just one but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. When headache, neuritis, or neuralgia pain strikes, you want relief and you want it fast. So for your own sake, try Anison. Sold on this money-back guarantee. If the first few tablets don't give satisfaction, you may return the unused portion and your money will be refunded. Ask for Anison at any drug counter in handy boxes of 12 and 30 tablets, bottles of 50 and 100. Uh, fellas, attention, please. I didn't like the way you played that last number. There's going to be a rehearsal of the orchestra right after the show. Didn't like the way the clarinet section sounded at all. I want you four fellas. I mean, I want you five fellas. Five? Should be only four. Let me see now. There's Cousin Ed, Uncle Walter, Uncle Morton, and Gramps. Mm-hmm. Hey, you, the fifth fellow over there. Who are you? It ain't Wally Parker, kiddies. Quit Allen! Come on out here. What are you doing in that orchestra? Well, NBC... Uh, uh, you still being convulsed? Yes, darling. Well, NBC... <laughs> NBC has tried me on radio, and they've tried me on television. Now, while they're waiting for a new medium to come along... 
They're trying me on this special assignment with my clarinet, sort of freelancing. Uh, I see, darling. Now, what special assignment? Well, first, the announcer, Ed Hurley, he has to ad-lib something about. This portion of the program was brought to you by RCA Victor, world leader in radio first and recorded music first in television, and by the Whitehall Pharmacal Company, makers of Anison, Colonos, Bicidol, and other fine drug products. And then I'm supposed to play... First chimes, the first time you ever had a half a tone chimes in the history. And then, then I am supposed to say, this is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Oh, you fool. Oh, yeah. It's so nice to have you back on radio. I've missed you. Oh, so you are the one. <laughs> According to Hooper, you are the one. No, darling, we've all missed you. Why don't you come back, Fred? Well, I'll tell you, darling. I, uh... <laughs> I have been dabbling in something which, for the want of a better name, we shall call television. Please, darling, people are eating. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Say, you didn't by any chance happen to see me on my first television show, did you? No, I didn't, Fred. Uh, oh, you weren't home? Oh, oh, yes, I was home, darling. Oh, no set, darling? No guts, darling. <laughs> Well, you know television's a new medium, and I have discovered why they call it a medium. Because nothing is well done. Oh, very little. Oh, darling, I think you're so funny. So you are the one. Huh? No, Fred, no, seriously speaking, darling... Well, as if we haven't been. What else? Well, have we been? no, no, no. Why did you leave radio? Well, I'll tell you, uh, Tallulah. They wanted me to do one of those programs where you call up people on the telephone and ask them questions and give them prizes, you see. And that's why I quit and went into television. You mean? Yes, it was a choice between the medium and the telephone. <laughs> Wait for love. Oh, no, no, don't, uh, don't. Uh, don't read the stuff in parentheses. You skip oh, I'm that. Sorry, That's Fred, just... I'm sorry. Well, anyway, I, I, I'm glad I was able to get you back on radio, even if it is only as a guest. Uh-huh. You know, when they told me about this big-name broadcast, I told them it wouldn't be a big-name broadcast without you, Fred. Well, in radio, Fred has been a four-letter word for some time. <laughs> oh, in fact, I insisted that they put you on this show. Well, you insisted? You met with some uh, stiff opposition, did you? Well, I had to go through channels. Oh, I say, I've read about those channels... But I had thought of coming to back to radio if I could find a new formula, a format, you know. I did get one idea, and strangely enough, it came from Portland. She seemed to think that if I... Uh... Mr. Allen! Well... Mr. Well, as I stand here and feign surprise, uh, if it isn't Portland now... Uh, Portland, Georgia, I had some more here. See, it, we didn't rehearse the audience. It says applause after this, but you see... rehearsal. This is what's mixing things. Portland, you're just in time. This is Tallulah Bankhead. Uh, hello, Portland. I'm glad to see you. How do you do, sir? <laughs> Portland, I understand that you weren't on the first television show Fred did. Why was that? But my dress wasn't cut low enough. Oh. <laughs> you... you a dress with a V-neck. A 
TV next. Uh, well, before this conversation gets too fay, uh, Portland... <laughs> Portland, how about telling Tallulah the idea you thought up for a radio show for me? Oh, I didn't think of it. No. Mama thought of it. Oh, your mother is writing for radio now? Well, uh, by the way, I was on television the other night, Portland. Did your mother see me? Oh, she never could. Uh. <laughs> You mean that your mother thinks that I... As Mama put it, to the high heavens. <laughs> Ad-lib a stinging retort. Fred, you're reading the parenthesis. Oh, the parenthesis, this jumbo type... Th oh, yes, well, Portland, enough of Mama as a George Jean nothing. Now, how about... How about this idea of hers for a radio show? Yes, let's hear the idea. The idea of Well, Portland. Mama thought first, you ought to have an announcer who's big and fat and jolly yeah. and laughs all through the program. Yucks it up, huh? And you ought to get an orchestra leader who's tall, good-looking, and eats ham hocks. Ham hocks? Well, say, Portland, that sounds like, uh... And you have a young fellow who sings. And his mother always wants you to pay him more money. Singer, but Portland, that idea... And you have a butler who drives your car, which is a broken-down Maxwell. Maxwell, but... And you have a quartet that sings your commercial. Commercial, but... And for your sponsor, you get a cigarette company. Cigarette, but... <laughs> and you'll be the star of the show, Mr. Oh, Allen. really? I can be in it, too, uh -huh. huh? You yeah. wear a toupee, yeah. you're always 39 years old, uh -huh. you play a violin, and you do your own laundry, yeah. and you have a washing machine that you rent out to your neighbors, Say. and you're very tight, and you keep your money down in a ball. I'm sort of the pinch penny type, huh? Yes, and that's a wonderful title. You could call it the Pinch Penny Program. Well, I don't know, Portland. What's the future in becoming a salesman for Jell-O? I mean, where could you go? Well, what's the matter? Do you think Mama's idea revolutionary? Well, it is a little revolting. <laughs> what do you think, Miss Bankhead? You haven't had any lines for a whole page. I was wondering when you'd notice, darling. Do you think that kind of a program would go anywhere? Yes, darling, to another network. Well, how about trying out this idea right now, Mr. Allen? No, no, I don't think I could... But, uh... Mr. Allen, what have you got to lose? Face. An excellent reason for doing it, darling. So on with the Pinch Penny program. Pinch Penny. The Pinch Penny program. Ha 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 ha. minutes of hijinks with your favorite radio comedian, star of stage, screen, and laundry, Pinch Penny. <laughs> Well, here it is, 7 o'clock, and Pinchpenny isn't here yet. I wonder where he can be. Say, that always gets me. There's a guy who gets $25,000 a week for doing that program, and you know he's not going to be late. He's probably been standing there since noon with his bare money belt hanging out. <laughs> Try another opening. Could you scare up another opening? Okay. Well, as you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first show of the new season. And so we give you the star of our show just back from an extended three-month, 40-cent tour of Radio City, Pinch Penny. Hello again. Hello again, this is Pinch Penny. And Don Thomas, you know that's not true. 
You know I took a cruise to Honolulu. It was a wonderful boat trip. Really? How did you go, Mr. Penny? First class? Well, not exactly. Uh, second class? Well, no, you see... Uh, third class? Well, no, Don Z. Oh, then you must have gone steerage. Steerage? Why, Don, how can you say that about me? <laughs> it's easy. Uh, <laughs> didn't you, uh... Find it pretty crowded down in steerage? Don, for your information, I'll have you know that I had the whole boat to myself. Uh, what boat was that? Well, it was one of those little boats that hangs over the side of the big boat. <laughs> oh, so you went stowaway. Yes, that's the class I was trying to think of. And it's the only way to travel, Don, with the wind and the spray in my hair. <laughs> your hair, Mr. Penny? Well, I had it hanging over the side of the boat. Now stop that, Don. Uh, did you like Honolulu? Oh, it's so colorful there, and I'll never forget the day we docked. All the little native boys standing on the pier, and the people on the boat throwing pennies into the water, and the way those little rascals dive in and fight to get that money. They go to all that trouble for pennies? Well, after all, Don, it's not taxable. No inheritance tax or anything. Liquid assets, you know, just as now, you pick it out. Now, now, Mr. Penny, don't tell me that you... Now, Don, please, after all, say, where is everybody? Where's Dennis? I want to talk to Dennis about his song for our first show. Oh, here he is. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Don. Mr. Penny, my mother thinks... Hello, Dennis. My mother thinks I ought to get more money for this new season. I said, hello, Dennis. Hello, Mr. Penny. My mother thinks I ought to get more money for this new season. Now, later, later, kid. Now, look, for your first song this year... My mother thinks I'm underpaid. Your mother doesn't know what she's talking about. Now, for your... Ooh, what you said. <laughs> for your first song... My mother is the brains of the family. Some brains. Now, look, kid, for your first song... She was an undergraduate from the University of Southern California. Come louder. I say she was an undergraduate from the University of Southern California. Now, put that out. I pay you ample salaries. You mean sample. <laughs> My mother says that Bing Crosby makes as high as $50 a week and sometimes 75 Bing Crosby has a lot of interest. He's in the orange juice business. He owns a baseball club. Where does he find the time for all that? He makes movies. He runs a racetrack. Where does he find the time for all that? He has four sons. Where does he find the time? <laughs> Where? Well, my mother either says I get money or I'll quit. Well, goodbye, darling. I mean, goodbye. I mean, goodbye, Dennis. Every time I open my mouth to quit, somebody says goodbye, darling. All right, goodbye. And my mother says she's going to send you back these pennies you sent from Honolulu. Well. <laughs> Mr. Penny, you don't mean you dove for pennies with those kids in Honolulu. Well, the water was so delightfully warm, Darnsy. And now I am in a spot. What am I going to do about a singer for the program? Oh, don't worry about that. Singers are a dime a dozen. They are? Where? Where? Where can you get them for a dime a dozen? Where? Where? Where are singers <laughs> a dime for a dozen? Where are they? There's a bunch of singers in a choral group here. Say, any of you boys want to sing on this program? I'll sing. All right, boy. A step over here. What's your name, son? Frankie Lane. Frankie Lane. Frankie Lane, that's not a very good stage name, son, if you want to get anywhere, I mean. But we'll change your name later. Uh, sing, Frankie. Oh, hold it, hold it just a minute, kid. Come in. Mr. Penny? Yes, I'm uh, Mr. Penny. Mr. Penny, I'm making a survey of all the men in this district. What is your age? Thirty-nine. Well, 
We are making a list of all available men under 40. I am from your local draft board. Oh, oh. Well, I've been meaning to talk to you guys on the draft board about that. Sing, kid. I had this trouble during the Spanish-American War. You see, Mr. Insulter... But Lord, a man gets awfully lonesome without a woman to love. You gave me tall timber, you made me free as a dove. Without a woman to love You gave me two lips But no one to thrill them You gave me two arms But no one to fill them And ever since the world began Woman has walked with man You gave me soft moonlight You gave me dreams to dream of But Lord, a man gets awfully lonesome Without a woman to love Good kid for a beginner. You uh, you can have the job. Well, uh, how about the money, Mr. Penny? Money? Well, at a dime a dozen, that would be one twelfth of ten. Would be one. Uh, I had an offer to sing on television with Fred Allen. You know. Oh, oh please, people are eating. Please. <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, I will do. I'll take an option on you and think it over, mull it over a while for thirty <laughs> days. I'll give you an advance, okay? Golly, that's fine, Mr. Penny. Uh, how about five? 
That'll be wonderful. Now, here you are. There's one, two, three, four, five. Gee, thanks, Mr. Penny. So long, kid. Golly. Indian heads. And, and they're so bright and shiny. Where is everybody, Mr. Penny? We gotta have a rehearsal of the show. Well, Portchester should be here any minute with the scripts. Well, here's Portchester now. Oh, yes. Hello, Portchester. Hello, those. <laughs> Now, look, darling, I mean, uh, Porchester, did you, did you, did you finish typing the scripts? Yes, both, but I had a lot of trouble. It's tough to write on the typewriter with, with only five keys on it. Only five letters on that typewriter? Well, what's the matter with that? I've done very well with those five letters. So what five letters are they, Porchester? L, F, M, F, and T. <laughs> well, it's like sending up smoke signals. Well, it's a Corona typewriter, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Penny, I, I think you're the funniest. Oh, so you're the one. <laughs> well, I wish the rest of the cast would get here so we could rehearse. Well, well, Mr. Penny, I have the quartet here if you want to run over the commercial. Commer we have no commercial. This is a sustaining program. But they've already rehearsed it, Mr. Penny, haven't you, fellas? But, but... <laughs> But, fellas, we don't need a quartet. We have no commercial. Okay, fellas, let him hear it. But, fellas... S-U-S-T-A-I-N-I-N-G, we're sustaining NBC. S-U-S-T-A-I-N-I-N-G, who's sustaining O-T-V. But, fellas... S-U-S-T-A-I-N-I-N-G, all the stars are here. Boys, men... S-U-S-T-A-I-N-I-N-G, quiet! Now, look. What? <laughs> Look, fellas, I haven't got time for that now. I'm waiting for my clarinet teacher. He's supposed to be here. I'm going to call him up and see what's keeping him. Hand me that phone, will you, Porchester? Here you are, both. Thank you. Hello? Hello, operator? What is the matter with those girls out there? Mindy, blue eyes is flashing. <laughs> Well, it's the first time I ever saw them flash. <laughs> Did he give you a present when he got back from his vacation? Yeah, he gave me a locket. Ain't it a beauty? Oh, yeah, an Indian head. <laughs> but it's nice, though, isn't it? Oh, they're a dime a dozen. Oh, not these. They've gone up. They're ten for a dime. But instead of bringing me expensive gifts, I sure wish he'd stop making up new rules. Oh, Mindy, you're always telling me about your troubles. I have troubles, too, but you never ask me how I'm getting along. All right, Ethel. How are you getting along? Don't ask. <laughs> how are you getting along with Herman? Don't ask. Gee, I thought he was going to take you out Saturday night. Didn't ask. <laughs> Why? I thought he had intentions. Oh, sure he's got intentions, but he don't want to get married. <laughs> To him. Not Herman. He takes it himself. <laughs> but what happened to that other fellow? What's his name? You know, Harry. Oh, I could never marry him. Why not? Well, we used to ride home on the subway together, and I got off on 34th Street, and he got off on 23rd Street. So what? So I realized I could never marry a man below my station. <laughs> 
he's flashing again. Maybe we ought to answer. Hello, hello. Yes, hello. Hey, what's going on out there? I want you to get my clarinet teacher on the phone for me and tell him to come right down here. What? Oh, all right. I'll give you one, too. Gold diggers, copper diggers, Indian head she wants here. I'm back, Mr. Penny. My mother changed my mind. Oh, she did. But this is going to be my last season because for next year, my mother's got me a contract with Metro Golden Mayor for a thousand dollars a week. A thousand? Oop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right, a thousand a week. MGM signed a contract with you? Ooh, signed. Now cut that out. Have no fear. Meredith Harris is here. Well, it's about time. It's about... <laughs> It's about time you showed up. Where were you? Now, take it easy, Dad. I'm here, ain't I? Where was you, he asked me. Where, uh, where was you? I said, where were you? <laughs> okay, if you're going to get geometrical about it. Well, ain't we dandy. If I'd have known, I'd have brung you an apple. It's not brung, it's broad. Ah, tell it to the morons. <laughs> what goes around here? How about the rehearsal? Uh, you'll have to wait until we get through with my clarinet lesson. Until my teacher comes, I think I'll do a little practicing. Mm -hmm. My teacher will be here any minute. He comes uh, by bus, so it'll take a little while for him to get here. I think I'll get down and have an ice cream soda. I think I'll get down, too. I'll have an ice cream soda with you. I'm going down, too. I can't stand any more of this. Well, come with us. You gonna have a soda? Yeah, I always take one jigger of soda. Gotta leave plenty of room for that good stuff on top. Cowards! back again, are you, Portland? Well, tell me, what did your mother think of the way uh, we took off that Sterling character she originated for radio? Well, Mr. Allen, she doesn't think it's your type of program. Oh, really? She has another fellow in mind for Mr. it. Mr. Livingston, I presume? <laughs> well, she has got a wonderful idea that would just fit you. Oh, another idea, really? Uh -huh. She thinks you ought to have a program where you walk down an alley yeah. and you talk to people you meet there, yeah. like a southern congressman, uh -huh. an old farmer, and an Irishman. And you tell and... a lot of old sure-file jokes and find myself broadcasting at the same time everybody else is listening to a quiz program someplace. I know what you mean, Paul, and I'm not going through that again. No, sir, I'm not... Ladies and gentlemen, it is only coincidence that tonight marks the eighth anniversary of the passing of the immortal George M. Cohan. It is a fitting coincidence for us because we all somehow feel the presence, the friendly approval, the exhilaration one always knew when George M. was around. The big show would not be truly big if we did not have something here that was created by the greatest showman of them all. We have his songs, and we're going to sing them now, and we you'd like to sing along with us. So on stage, Jimmy, Fred, Danny, Ethel, Frankie, Mindy, everyone, and uh, keep a place for me. Our cue, Meredith, it's time for George M. Cohan to take another bow, leading off with Fred Allen. 
double R I G A N spells Harrigan. Proud of all the Irish blood that's in me. Divil a man can say a word again me. H A double R I G A N U C. It's a name that a shame never has been connected with. Harrigan, that's me. Frankie, you're next. Will always say Marie, but it was Mary, oh, Mary, long before fashions came, and there is something there that sounds so square. and your neck
today folks but I don't think I have I think I'm going to have to go make me some but um, <laughs> this uh, this next one um, I hope you enjoyed uh, that first one uh, it's probably uh, if it was long enough for you then you probably uh, are feeling like going out to get you some popcorn or whatever it is you want to snack on because <laughs> <laughs> this next one is going to be the same length and um, it stars two of my favorite people, Bob Hope and Phil Harris, and they are both nuts. And um, I just, I just love Phil Harris on the uh, uh, on the Jack Benny show. Uh, I've listened to Jack Benny every day at uh, 5 p.m. on this station called Conyers Old Time Radio. So Conyers. If you're listening, you've got a listener. <laughs> um, yeah, but your views are biased when it comes to good old Jack. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> who who axed you? <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I well, see. I'm sitting here missing Jack Benny today because I'm sitting here entertaining you. So. That's your second show, Bob Hope and Phil Harris. So y'all kick back and have a good time. You, you can't, you can't hear either one of these guys, I think, without having a good time because they're both just, they live in Nutsville. Well, they're not, not anymore. They're both dead, but it, that's a shame too. But kick back, have a good time, take your shoes off, do what you need to do and you can put them back on in a few minutes. For the next hour and 30 minutes, this program will present in person such bright stars as... Uh, Louis Armstrong! Bob Hope. Deborah Carr. Frankie Lane. Gary Lewis. Dean Martin. Charlie McGuire. 
Jimmy Wallington. Meredith Wilson. And my name, darling, is Tallulah Bankhead. The National Broadcasting Company presents The Big Show. So the Big Show. 90 minutes with the most scintillating personalities in the entertainment world. Brought to you this Sunday and every Sunday at the same time as the Sunday feature of NBC's All-Star Festival. And here is your hostess, the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. Well, darlings, here we are with the big show this week in Los Angeles. Los Angeles, the city of the angels. Or is it Los Angeles, the city of the angles? <laughs> well, to be safe, I'll call it L.A. Lousy with ashes. How did a whip get in there? And what a plane trip from New York, darlings. We worried all the way. When we left New York, we were worried about the weather because all we could see was rain. When we got to Chicago, we worried because all we could see was snow. But when we got to a lovely California, we stopped worrying because we couldn't see the weather at all. <laughs> smog, you know. Of course, you know what smog is, don't you? Well, Bob Hope. Smog is nature's protection against the glare of Crosby's shirts. <laughs> or, smog is the stuff they invented to protect the oranges from the smudge pots. Or... Just a moment, <laughs> a darling. La Bray Tar Pits, Madman Munts, Mulholland Drive, Wilshire Bus, and Hollywood and Vine. What's all that, darling? <laughs> I just wanted to get all your local jokes out of the way so we couldn't clutter up the rest of the big show. <laughs> Well, you left out Anaheim, Azusa, and Cougamonga. We don't mention them on this network. Oh. I see. You mean on account of, uh, J.B.? That's exactly what I mean, darling. Well, what have you got against Joan Blondell? I am not referring to Joan Blondell. It just happens to be a name I'd rather not mention on the show. Uh, now, Bob... What have you been doing lately? J.B., a name you can't mention on this show. Oh, I know. Isn't that stupid? I mean, of course. Jetty Davis. (laughs) 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 Boar. Oh, Jack Boar, of course. Look, Kaloo. I'll tell you why I came over here. Besides grabbing a little loot, I want you to do a guest shot on my radio show. Oh, darling, do you have a radio show of your own? Uh, Who's the mistress of ceremonies on your show? (laughs) Nobody. Who's the mistress of ceremonies on your show? (laughs) 
Don't tell me you haven't heard my show back east every Tuesday at 9 o'clock. I never get up that early, darling. <laughs> no, honey, you're thinking of just plain Bing. I'm on Tuesday night from 9 to 9.30. Oh, only half an hour. <laughs> oh, Bob, I'm terribly sorry, darling. What do you do with the other hour? <laughs> We wait for the laughs to come in. <laughs> Look, let me set you straight in this radio racket. All comedy shows are a half hour. I beg your pardon. My show's an hour and a half. I beg your pardon. It only seems that long. <laughs> How about it, Tulu? Will you come on with me next Tuesday night? We rehearse the script Monday morning, and we rehearse with the orchestra Monday night, and we have a complete dress rehearsal Tuesday afternoon. We go on the air with the show Tuesday night. Oh, that fits in perfectly with my plans. I'll be there at rehearsals Monday morning, and with the orchestra Monday night... And at the dress rehearsal Tuesday afternoon, I just won't be able to make the show Tuesday night, darling. <laughs> uh, will, uh, will that be all right, Bob? Oh, that sounds reasonable. Of course, if you can't be on the show, I'll only pay you half the salary. Oh, I don't think that's fair. After all, I am coming to three rehearsals, and just because I miss one show, which only takes a half an hour. Skip it, kid. Skip it. For the money I'm paying you, I can get Jenny Davis not to come on the show. <laughs> Darling, it's not my fault. You would have to pick a Tuesday this week. I'm free Monday and Wednesday. How did you happen to pick Tuesday? Right in the middle. Oh, just lucky, I guess. Look, uh... <laughs> Look, Alabama, let's level here. Are you coming on the show Tuesday or not? But, Bob, if I'm going on your show, what do you want me to do on it? Well, you'll do what all my guests do. But I never had four sons. <laughs> well, what can you do? <laughs> not supposed I... to tie in. Yeah. <laughs> I promised him I, I wouldn't it. read it that way. I didn't do it, honest. Uh, control yourself. Well, what can you do? I sing. <laughs> it's just as funny the second time. <laughs> let's go. Let's go, Chalu. They're giving us a finger. Go I, ahead. What's up? I mean, the wind-up. You know, the thing. But of course, I'll have to bring my own accompaniment. What would you say? I said, of course, I'll have to I haven't got that. Where is that? <laughs> oh, okay, who is he? Well, he just happens to be Meredith Wilson and his 47-piece orchestra and chorus. I can't sing unless they accompany me. Oh, you have a special orchestra to play flat? <laughs> they do not. Now, you listen. To Meredith Wilson and his big show orchestra and chorus and a brilliant rhythmic arrangement of Orange Colored Sky. Walking along, 
Compliment I want to use when I sing on your program. You see, Meredith keeps me on key. Baby, your voice should be kept under lock and key. <laughs> What's the matter, Miss Banker? Didn't you like my number? What's your problem, Meredith Wilson? I only said, uh, didn't you like my orchestra number, Miss Banker? Of course, darling. Now, look here, Bob. If you're implying that my voice is bad... Now, wait a minute. I'm no music critic. Don't start sending me any letters. <laughs> Personally, I'd rather write than be president. <laughs> well, uh, Miss Bankett... <laughs> Wait, this is creeping up. Wait a minute. Now, I want to say to Miss Bankett, uh, when I finish my number, um, uh, you usually say that was delightful, Meredith, or charming. That was delightful, Meredith, or charming. Uh, Bob, <laughs> if you want me on your show, I'm going to sing... And the song will be, Give my regards to Broadway, Remember me to Herald Square. Tell all the gang on 42nd Street that I will soon be there. Hey, rivet voice, you're tearing up 42nd Street. <laughs> I could have played Give My Regards to Broadway if you'd asked me to, Miss Bankhead. I have it in all the keys you sing it in. <laughs> That's A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. When she just sang it, it sounded more like H. Don't pay any attention to him, Meredith. Don't pay any attention to him, darling. How can I? I haven't even met him. Oh! I beg your pardon. Meredith, darling, this is Bob Hope. Bob, this is Meredith Wilson, darling. Glad to know you, darling. Gee, <laughs> Mr. Hope. Mr. Hope, I, this is really a happy moment. For whom? <laughs> I've always been one of your greatest admirers, Mr. Hope. I used to see all your pictures back in Mason City. I was born there, you know. That's my hometown. Mason City, Iowa. Meredith. 
You are not going to tell one of those repugnant stories about that... <laughs> that obscure little hamlet of yours, are you? Oh, glad you asked me. Well, sir, Miss Bankhead, I used to see every... <laughs> I used to see every one of Mr. Hope's pictures back in Mason City, Iowa. Well, I remember going to the movie one night and I had to take standing room. I know, boy, my pictures sell out all over. No, it wasn't that. I had a sacroiliac. <laughs> had to stand up. Dr. Frisbee, he's the druggist there. <laughs> and, uh, you think he can help that? <laughs> I, uh, I went there to the druggist, but he's closed up, so I went to the bicycle shop, and they taped me up with that black tape they put on bicycle handles. Well, they tape up seats with that stuff, too. Huh? Yeah, that's what they did. <laughs> well, sir, I stood up all through that picture, laughing and scratching. Look, Itchy. How much more is there to this nauseating little boy? Well, that's about all there is, except that when they took that tape off, wow, I've still got the scars. Would you like to see him, Mr. Hope? No, no. I'll wait till they come to my neighborhood movie. Meredith, if you're quite finished with that black... Hey, tape... look at the size of that orchestra. Hi, fellas. Hey, it's Bill Hey, go right on, fellas. Don't let me stop the show. I'm just cutting across to my studio. Hey, what a musical aggravation. Every musician I ever fired is in that orchestra. Look at that violin section. Who's got the rosin concession there? Mr. Harris, I don't know how you managed to stagger into this studio. But if you don't crawl off before I count to one, which I understand is as high as you can count... I will have you forcibly ejected. Ejected? Well, push, pull, and click, click. <laughs> hey, Bob. Huh? Hey, Robert, what are you doing on this program? Mostly straight lines. <laughs> hey, Bob. Hmm. Hey, Robert. Uh, uh, who's the base tomato? <laughs> This tomato's going to be a surprise. It's uh, Tallulah Bankhead. That's Tallulah Bankhead? Yeah, that's what you like about the South. Well, corn my pone if it ain't a lotsman. <laughs> and what carpet bag did you creep out of, Mr. Harris? <laughs> Baby, don't fight me. I'm filthy. I don't care what state your clothes are in. <laughs> That thing you're wearing could stand a retread, too, girl. Well, the war between two states. You notice how cleverly they set this thing up so that every time I'm about to sit down, I have a line to speak? I have one to speak. Yes, I do. Luckily, luckily my bicycle seat is taped, and I can't sit down anyway. Meredith, I didn't see you. Hi, Phil. Well, old Meredith, you still playing that long hair stuff? Yep. You still playing that curly hair stuff? <laughs> Sharp as a marble. <laughs> By the way, Meredith, we were talking about you at the Musicians' Union the other night, and some of the boys think that you're kind of uh, eccentric. They heard through the Hollywood and Grapevine that you read music. Now, I'm a committee of one to find out. Are you now or have you ever been 
a reader of music. Well, yeah, I read music. Don't you? Oh, once in a while, when I'm sitting under the dryer, I... <laughs> but it's the same old story, Meredith. Do, la, so, fa, mi, re, no action. That kind of stuff went out with the three Bs. Bach, Beethoven, and Benny. How dare you, Mr. Harris? What do you got against Benny Goodman? He's the king. <laughs> I might even say he's the thing. He's the what? Hey, don't tell me you ain't heard of the thing. Hey, loco, this girl don't know about the thing. <laughs> they know what it is. Well, I got to go, kids. Hey, Robert, how about you and the missus and me and Alice uh, stepping out tonight after the show? Oh, sure, Phil. By the way, how is Alice? Just left her a couple of minutes ago. She was in the pink. Well, have her slip into some clothes and we'll go out. <laughs> Robert, gee, I wish I'd have said that. I could use that on my show today. <laughs> you will. Well, Bob! Bob, what was that thing? <laughs> it's not that thing. It's the thing. It's a piece of music that can only be written by a guy who can't read music. Meredith, have you heard of this thing, the thing? Oh, sure. It's one of those tunes that don't make any sense. You have to have them every once in a while. Like, I remember back in Mason City, Iowa. Oh, dear. Meredith, we're not going on tour through the last one-night stand again. Oh, I was just talking about things like the thing, like we used to have. You remember yesterday we had no bananas? Uh, that was before my time, darling. <laughs> Your time was before bananas. Everybody used to sing that song. I knew it so well that uh, I could sing it backwards. Yeah, that should be very interesting. Oh, it is. It goes, Today bananas, no have we. Bananas, no have we. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing. Oh, no. The thing came later. First we had this.
But what about the thing? Well, we got that, too. Here, uh, be my guest, Miss Bankhead. Here's a copy of the music. Just read that lyric. While I was walking down the beach, one bright and sunny day, I saw a great big wooden box was floating in the bay. I pulled it in and opened it up, and much to my surprise, I discovered a... Right before my eyes. Oh, I discovered it. Right before my eyes. I turned around and got right out of the for my life. And then I took it home with me to give it to my wife. But this is what she hollered at me and I walked in the door. Oh, get out of here with it. And don't come back no more. Oh, get out of here with it. And don't come back no more. The moral of the story is that you're out on the beach. And you should see a great big box and it's within your reach. Don't ever stop to open it up, that's my advice to you. Cause you'll never get rid of it, no matter what you do. Oh, you'll never get rid of it, no Does that answer your question, Miss Bankhead? Uh, well, darling, I can't say very much for the melody, but I must admit the lyric was quite dull. <laughs> you know what I like, Meredith? That hot horn in your band. He plays a lot of trumpet. Why, that's Louis Armstrong. <laughs> Louis, Louis, darling, what are you doing in the opera? Come over here. Hello, Tallulah. <laughs> Louis, how are you? Oh, I want you to meet Bob Hope. Oh, I know this cat, man. He's gone. <laughs> You said it, Lewis. I've been gone for about eight pages now. <laughs> Tell me, L.A., you playing that trumpet around L.A.? No, B.H., I've been up in La <laughs> Oh, Las Vegas, huh? Yeah, man. Well, how'd you make up there at L.V., L.A.? Okay. Where'd you up there, B.H.? Uh, how'd you make out? P.U. <laughs> What happened, B.H.? Uh, the roulette wheel. I went for a G. You see, L.A.? Oh, yeah. Are you gentlemen making your initial appearance on radio? <laughs> Louie, I was hoping you'd mention that article I wrote about you for Flair magazine. You see it? Oh, I did, too, Louie. I thought it was very... Louie, you went over that word a hundred times. <laughs> I told you it was erudite. Yeah, oh, I think that's the word. <laughs> Thanks, Louis. Sweet of you to say that, Bob. <laughs> Did you read the article I wrote on Louis Armstrong? Yes, and I thought it was there, uh, er, uh, Erwick. <laughs> yeah, that's the word, eh? <laughs> you're just joking, I know. Oh, Louis, you are my favorite musician. Thank you, Tallulah. And, Bob, you're my favorite comedian. Thanks, Tallulah. Well... <laughs> Hasn't one of you gallant gentlemen anything to add? Oh, sure. May I return the compliment to Lou and say that Lewis is my favorite musician? <laughs> Thanks, Bob. And you're my favorite comedian. <laughs> Boys, uh, shall we go around once more? 
Oh, sure. Tulu, I'm your favorite comedian. <laughs> and I'm your favorite musician. <laughs> This is fun. Let's play it again. <laughs> this time for money. <laughs> if anybody's going to play anything, Louis is going to play his fabulous trumpet. How about it, Louis? That's what I came here for. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a real treat. Louis Armstrong with Meredith Wilson's orchestra and Phil Moore's brilliant arrangement of a song I know you all want to hear, Ain't Misbehaving. Talk with all by myself. No one to walk with. I'm not the only shell. Misbehaving, save my life. Oh, baby, did we just burn by me? Now for certain, the one love through returning, you better be denied. Misbehaving, oh, baby, I'm just not like Jack Horner in the corner, don't go nowhere, and I don't care. All your cute white men in believe me. I don't stay out late, don't get a go. All my body memories means we haven't As ever, Satchmo. Louis, you know what my ambition is? I want somebody to make a recording with you. Someday. Well, oh. wrong. Oh, Press on, darling. Well, uh, I well, want someday to make a recording with you, Louis. Well, what have you got against me, Tulu? <laughs> now, just a minute, Armstrong. I sing, you know. Oh, yeah, I heard about you singing. Oh, you heard about it really well? Mm -hmm. I was standing on Broadway and a man came up and gave me your regard. <laughs> Must have been one of those Herald Squares. Look to Lou. <laughs> if you want to come on my program and sing, this might be a good time to show what you can do. Lewis, how about it? Could you improvise a little something for Tousle Top? 
Anything you like. Okay, baby, let's hear something. If you're going to audition, let's do it now. I don't want you to louse up my show. Me audition? Me Cleveland Indian. Dolly, I'm not prepared. Oh, you didn't bring your voice with you, huh? So much the better. Come on, I'll help you out. Oh, no, Bob, no, no. no. Oh, come on, let's make her sing. How oh, about no, it, folks? <laughs> well, if nobody wants to listen to her, I... No, just a censored, censored minute, Hope. If they want to hear me sing, I'll sing. And we leave it to the audience whether I sing on your show or not. Okay, anyone else? Last chance, sedatives, sleeping pills, revolvers. <laughs> Yes, ma'am, we have earplugs. No, madam, only two to a customer. What do you mean you need three? <laughs> Louis, you'll need a couple of those earplugs. Well, <laughs> a couple of those earplugs on me do that. Well, I'm certainly not going to listen to this by myself. Give me a couple, too. Okay, Louis, let's hear it. I'll start you off, Salou. <laughs> this is a lot of fun, darling, but I have to ring my chimes. This is NBC, Under the National Star. Broadcasting Company. Melancholy, baby. We're off the air, yes. Well, let's go. This is the National Broadcasting Company's Sunday extravaganza with the most scintillating personalities in show business. The Big Show, the Sunday night feature of NBC's All-Star Festival, is brought to you by your local Ford dealer, who is now displaying the new 1951 Ford, the car that's built for the years ahead, by RCA Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television, by Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste, the cigarette that brings you Bing Crosby and Bob Hope, and by the makers of Anderson for fast relief from pain of headache, neuritis, and neuralgia. The big stars on this program are Louis Armstrong, Bob Hope, Deborah Carr, Frankie Lane, Jerry Lewis, Dean Martin, Dorothy McGuire, Meredith Wilson and his big show orchestra and chorus, and every week your hostess, the glamorous, unpredictable Tallulah Bankhead. Darling, this is Tallulah, broadcasting from Hollywood, Bankhead, <laughs> telling you that if you don't listen to the big show, you're a big snow. <laughs> or if you're in a stew and you don't know what to do, listen to Tallulah. <laughs> and you'll never be blue. <laughs> so new. <laughs> well, Tallulah Bankhead, girl Burl. <laughs> Bob Hope. <laughs> Thank you, Tallulah. I'm happy to be here with you on your second Hollywood version of the big show. Oh, it's nice having you, darling. Nice to catch you on the ground for a change. Yes. I have been traveling a lot lately, but I've got to stop it. I have so many labels on my trunks, the laundry won't take them anymore. <laughs> I know the sacrifice you're making, giving up the Los Angeles Rams-Chicago Bears championship game at the Coliseum. You're not kidding, but that's all right. I've got to keep working. After all, I'm a comedian. I have a government to support. (laughs) But 
Well, it's nice being here with you, Tulu, during the Yuletide season. Of course, whenever I think of Christmas, I think of my old folks back home. Take it, Iowa. You know, the Christmas season brings out the sentiment in the body. Yes, sir. I'm the kind of guy who does a lot of traveling, but I'm like anybody else. No matter where you go, you never get very far away from that old hometown. And I was reared in Cleveland. I can remember way back to the time I was a baby. I was born in a poor family. My mother couldn't even afford talcum powder. <laughs> she used to turn my little body over and sprinkle it with Dutch cleanser. Until <laughs> I was ten months old, I didn't know whether I was a boy or a kitchen sink. <laughs> That's why at Christmas time, I like to go back to Cleveland to see my folks. And they're always happy to see me. Of course, they're just as happy getting it by mail, but I always feel... <laughs> I always feel sentimental about my hometown. With all the friendly faces, the familiar buildings, Main Street, Elm Street lying parallel to it, and my Uncle Louie lying parallel to both. <laughs> People said he was a drunkard, but he wasn't. He only drank a little bit to steady himself. Sometimes he got so steady he couldn't move. My family were very poor. We lived in a little shack, just two rooms and a path. But even though... <laughs> but... <laughs> Didn't hear it, huh? But even though... <laughs> but even though we were poverty-stricken, I was even sophisticated as a baby. I was so high-class, I wouldn't suck my thumb till they put it in a cigarette holder. <laughs> But my mother was one of those dear hearts and gentle people. She tried to raise us right, even though we were broke. She couldn't buy us underwear, but she did the best she could. She lined us all up and painted buttons on our stomachs. <laughs> she couldn't even afford to buy me a haircut. My hair was so long till I was 19 years old, I thought I was a St. Bernard. I found out I wasn't just in time. I was going steady with an Airedale. <laughs> but what a, what a picture comes to mind when I think of the old hometown. Old Pappy Walker sitting in front of the general store carving his sailboat in a bottle. I wonder if he ever got out of the bottle when the sailboat was finished. <laughs> and then there was Miss Drainafor, my old teacher. I can still see her sitting in the classroom. An old lady just knitting she was knitting an old man. <laughs> On a vacation, Miss Drainafor used to go to the big city and burn the candle at both ends. For weeks after, she couldn't put on a hat or sit down. <laughs> and when I think of the Yuletide season, I always think of my parents. My father was a great man and a big practical joker, too. So was my mother. They finally played a trick on each other. Me. You know, I started the first quiz show in Cleveland. When I was born, my father took one look at me and asked the doctor, What is it? The doctor answered, Well, I missed that one. Can I stand by for the jackpot? <laughs> father was betting on a boy and mother was betting on a girl. The doctor won. He had me across the board.
But we were a proud family, people of the soil. We'd been farmers for generations, and everything we did was connected with the soil. In fact, we were the dirtiest family in the state. <laughs> but it was a happy family. My father worshipped my mother. He got her everything. He wasn't wealthy. He was a shoplifter. When he walked out of a department store, the whole left side of the building sagged. <laughs> like all families, we were hit by the Depression. My father was hurt in the crash of 29. The runway at Minsky's collapsed on his head. <laughs> well, before I knew it, it was time for me to go to school. I was enrolled in a finishing school for backward children. And I did very well. I started in the eighth grade, and in no time at all, I was back in kindergarten. <laughs> it was in the third grade that I first fell in love. I know it sounds kind of silly to be in love with the third grade, but don't forget, I was 38 years old. <laughs> and I'll never forget the first time I kissed my little girlfriend. She was wearing braces, and I was wearing braces. And when we kissed, our braces locked. <laughs> After that, we went everywhere together. Then came graduation time, with all the kids in their caps and gowns. I caused quite a sensation. My gown was strapless. <laughs> and I, I, did, I did very well in sports at school. I had a typical athlete's physique. Big chest, hard stomach. But that's all behind me now. <laughs> but I used to play football when I was in school. It was part of the cure. And all of the fans... And all of the fans around Cleveland knew my name. It was painted on my bucket. I had a very peculiar nickname. They called me Neckline Hope. I was always plunging down the middle, but never really showed anything. My first year, I was disqualified from playing football for a scholastic reason. Stupidity. I thought the big nine were my toes. It was right about then that I met her. Yes, her. I never did find out what her name was. She was a vision of loveliness. She had long blonde hair and luscious red lips, which she wore in a bun on the top of her head. <laughs> but the best part about it was that she was tattooed. That made it nice for me because I couldn't afford a television set. So we almost broke up. I'd seen the picture before. We were very much in love. She called me baby and I called her my little pussycat. I called her Pussycat because I thought she'd take the hint and shave off her whiskers. <laughs> finally, finally came the day of our wedding. She was a sentimental girl, so she got married in her grandmother's dress. She looked lovely, but her poor grandmother almost froze to death. It was a lovely ceremony except for the kiss. My nose created a suction and we had to be separated with a razor blade. Yes, we were married. And tomorrow marks our 25th anniversary. It'll be 25 years since we've talked to each other. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the new 1951 Ford... The car that progressive planning designed, engineered, and made come true is at your Ford dealers now. And everything about it tells you that here is a quality car. 
A fine car that's built for the years ahead. When you examine the 1951 Ford, for example, take a good long look at its luxury lounge interior. You'll find styling, fine coachwork, color-harmonized Ford Craft fabrics that are years ahead in beauty. When you drive the new Ford, notice how the automatic ride control literally adjusts the ride to the road and makes the roughest bumps easy on you, easy on the car itself. And there's more, much, much more. In all, there are 43 new look-ahead features, each designed to give you added value for the long years to come. Yes, indeed. When you see the 1951 Ford, when you drive it, you'll agree it's the finest Ford ever produced. And now, darlings, the two young Paramount stars who have taken the country by storm, the only comedy act in show business that can possibly follow Bob Hope, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Sweetie, it's a little bonkers. We're very happy. Very happy to be here. You've been on for over a half hour already. Wash up, get your money, and get out of here. Leave your social security number. We'll take over now. Here we are on the big show. You know this. This is the day. Hey, and I would hey. hey, Jerry. Crazy? What's wrong with you? You gotta conduct yourself like a gentleman on the big show. Now, don't ask me up here like you do everywhere else. Aren't you happy to be on the big show? Ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lies. I don't like her. You don't like Miss Bankhead? Young man. Think she's going to hit me. Ah, <laughs> oh, come on, Jerry. Now, come on. Let's settle down. All righty, Dean. We'll have a cup All righty, Dean. <laughs> Because you said, let's settle down. We'll have a cottage small by a waterfall with roses rambling round the door and the patter of little feet across the floor. Yeah, mice. <laughs> oh, Dean, I don't like it here. Come on, let's go back to the marble tournament. I'll treat. I got two Aggies. <laughs> no, Jay, you don't understand. Miss Bankhead was complimenting us by saying we were the only act who could follow Bob Hope. Oh, she compliments. Everyone else she insults. I told you she didn't like us. <laughs> Oh, but Jerry, darling. I did not come here not to be insulted. <laughs> well, Jerry, if you won't listen to reason, I'm going to call on your partner, Dean Martin, to sing. Well, I'd be glad to, Miss Banker. Ladies and gentlemen, Dean Martin will sing. Dean, she's going to introduce you for all these years. For all. Oh. <laughs> my tongue got in the way of my eye tooth. I couldn't <laughs> see what I was saying. Yeah. Introduce you for all these years. We have been partners, and now you are going to let her introduce you. What are you doing to me, uh, Miss Bankhead? Would you mind if Mr. Lewis introduced me awfully? As I'm, as I'm sure only he can. All right, Mr. Lewis, we'll introduce the song. What are you going to sing, Dean? Lavian Rose. You may introduce him, Jerry. Thank you, Mr. Martin. I want to introduce Lavian Rose. Lavian Rose is my partner, Mr. Martin. Very beautiful Levian Rose, arranged and conducted. I should say conducted by Meredith Wilson. This is arranged by our own wonderful conductor, Mr. Dick Stabile. Dean Martin sings Levian Rose, and this is swell. <laughs> Hold me close. 
spell, the magic spell you cast. This is love, Tell me you've never heard of Tallulah Bankhead. Jerry, I'm speaking to you. Why don't you answer me? You told me not to tell you I never heard of Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> I made a boo-boo. Look, Jerry, you made a double boo-boo. Tallulah Bankhead is a great stage actress. Surely you saw her in private lives. I don't butt into other people's business. <laughs> no, Jerry, it was a stage show. Didn't you see it? I don't remember. What was the picture playing with it? <laughs> There was no picture playing with it, just a stage show. She's been in a lot of stage shows. She played in Rain. That's how she got so hoarse? Ah, <laughs> oh, come on now, Jerry. Haven't you heard of Tula Bankhead and the Little Foxes? Oh, she's an animal trainer. <laughs> no, no. Tula Bankhead in Skin of Our Teeth. Skin of Our Teeth? Oh, come now, Basil. This has gone far enough. Far enough for you here. I said, far enough to you here. Dean, are you listening? Yeah, you don't seem to get the idea. Now, I remember taking you to a play once. I even remember you stopped into the lobby and you got yourself a glass of orangeade. Oh, yeah. I remember the orangeade and the girl with a flashlight told us we could sit down on the seats and be comfortable while we were drinking the orangeade. And a fella came out and sang something about an enchanted evening and a girl washed her hair and a bunch of sales were running after some dames and a girl was saying, happy talky talky happy talk. <laughs> what you have to go through just to drink a lousy glass of orangeade? 
the place, Jerry. I went back there, you know. There was such a crowd waiting, I couldn't get in. I guess everybody found out they have the best orange aid in town. <laughs> now you got it. That's it. The little bank head in the theater. Oh, now I know. She's the one who makes the orange aid. <laughs> From this, she makes a living. Ah, oh, Jerry, stop being so stupid. So how will you make a living? <laughs> No, this is tougher than I thought it was going to be. Please be patient with me, Dean. I've got a terrible headache. Where do you keep it? <laughs> ha, 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 ha. That's very funny. You see, I said I got a terrible headache, and he says, where do you keep it? He's making out like I haven't got a head. <laughs> joke over. <laughs> you don't have to explain my joke. So, Dean, what are friends for? <laughs> All right, come on, let's get back to the theater. I'm not thirsty. Well, boys, boys, how's it going? Dean, she's back again. Don't let her hit me. Well, why don't you stop? She won't hurt you. Could I feed her? She's very friendly. Could I scratch her behind the ear? Dean, tell me, is he for real? I often wonder. I want to apologize, Miss Bankhead. I shouldn't have been so fresh. Dean told me all about your sickness. Does it hurt much? Does what hurt much? The skin of your teeth. <laughs> Why, you little half-sized, half-idiot, half-imbecile... Dean, she did it. She likes us. We're in. She insulted us. She didn't insult me. Dean, don't worry. She said half. We're partners. You get half of everything I get. Say, Bob, Bob Hope. What's all this I hear about giving Crosby for Christmas? Well, Bing's Papa Santa Claus this year, you know, and a Chesterfield Christmas carton. Bob, it's a very nice gift. I've already bought several. But tell me, why aren't you on the Christmas carton, too? Well, I was supposed to be, Jimmy, but old Sag has gotten so fleshy there just wasn't room. <laughs> Seriously, folks, Chesterfield Christmas cartons are the best thing you could give or get because Chesterfield is the milder cigarette, and you can prove that yourself. Just make the Chesterfield mildness test. Buy Chesterfield. Open them and enjoy that milder, mellow aroma. Now light one up, and you'll know Chesterfield's milder because it smokes milder. Another thing you'll notice, Chesterfield leaves no unpleasant aftertaste. That fact has been confirmed by the country's first and only cigarette taste panel. So for all the smokers on your list, give Crosby for Christmas. Give Christmas carton to Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines for you mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste. Tallulah. Yes, Dean, what is it, darling? My partner Jerry and I were thinking... <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> Let's get on with the rest of the show. Wait a minute, missus. He didn't tell you yet. <laughs> so what are you laughing for? Dean Martin has something to tell you, and he is my friend. And I would gladly die for him. Would I not, Dean Martin, die for you? Sure he would. Go ahead, Jerry. Sure. Drop dead. <laughs> I can't die today. I don't feel so good. <laughs> darling, stop being morbid. What were you going to say, Dean? I speak. We would like to meet... <laughs> we would like to meet Mr. Bob Hope in person and make a deal with him. Uh, do you think he'll sell us some jokes or maybe trade us some jokes? Well, why don't you talk to Bob about it? 
Oh, no, come on, Bob Billing. Here, the boys want to do some business with you. You know Mr. Martin? Oh, sure. Hi, Tony. And Mr. Lewis? <laughs> and Mr. Lewis? Hi, Joe. <laughs> Hi, Mort. <laughs> Time out, conference. <laughs> Bean, you think he really doesn't know us, or is he making a joke? Making a joke. <laughs> Darling. <laughs> uh, Mr. Hope, I'd like to uh, consummate a little deal with you. Would you sell us some jokes, or maybe you'd be interested in trading a few jokes? Oh, I don't get you. Well, I'll give you, for instance, I'll give you a brand new joke I made up today out of a magazine. <laughs> for one of your old jokes. Well, what's the joke? A joke. You say to somebody, I went to see Albert Einstein, and somebody says, how did you find him? And you say, I pushed back his hair, and there he was. <laughs> Now, you give me one of your old jokes. No deal. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Hope. Don't pass that joke up. You know, there are two other jokes you can make out of it. Now, like, uh, how did you find your steak? Oh, I pushed back the potatoes, and there it was. Or, uh, how did you find the west? Pushed back the onions, and there it was. If anybody asks me how I found Martin Lewis, I'll say pretty dumb. <laughs> All right, Mr. Hope. I'll make the supreme sacrifice. I got a brand new Groucho Marx. Joe. Really? Brand new? Bet your life. Okay, I'll trade you even up. <laughs> Somebody fall down? What was that? <laughs> Brand new? I bet your life. That's <laughs> Well, anyway, okay. <clears throat> Somebody's wearing a neon nose here. I don't know. <laughs> Say, okay, I'll trade you even up for a brand new Phil Harris. All right, that's the deal. Let's see it. Oh, no, sight unseen. Okay, here you are. I got it written down here. Okay, and here's yours. Wait a minute, fellas. You're playing without me? Who blew up the ball? <laughs> so I want to trade, too. I got a brand new Fred Allen. I'll trade you for that Phil Harris. That's a trade, kid. Here you are. And here are you. Now, let me see what this says. Yeah, let's read them. How, How did you find Albert, Albert Einstein? Einstein? I pushed back his hair and there he was. Here's a word from RCA Victor. Only six shopping days left till Christmas. But that's not bothering America's snappiest families. They need only one day to select the greatest family gift in history. An RCA Victor complete home entertainment combination. They're pooling their dreams and their money to buy the gift that keeps on giving. And giving and giving. Giving not just to one, but to all. Giving not just a day, but every hour, every day, every year. Giving not just RCA Victor radio or recorded music or television, but all three combined in one magnificent cabinet. Why don't you join together and agree this minute to meet each other next Monday at your RCA Victor dealers to choose your matchless RCA Victor radio phonograph television combination. You'll find it costs far less than you'd pay for each instrument separately. You'll find that your RCA Victor combination is the greatest gift each of you ever made to the year-round happiness of all of us. Darlings, prepare for some excitement. Appearing with us in a few minutes will be two glamorous movie stars, members of the Actors' Company, Deborah Carr and Arthur McGuire. Deborah Carr can currently be seen with Stuart Granger and Richard Carlson in Metro-Golden-Mayer's Technicolor production, King Solomon's Mind. 
Oh, and yes, don't think I'm forgetting another star on our show, Frankie Lane. It's just that I have a little funny way of my own to introduce them. Hey, Joe, Salila, how will you find Deborah Carr? <laughs> Dr. McGuire and Frankie Lane. And I say, I'll just push back my chimes and there they'll be. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Well, darling, I suppose you've noticed something unusual about our big show today. So far, there have been no women. A present company accepted, of course. <laughs> but <laughs> we, are, we are just about ready to make up for it. What with Deborah Carr and Jonathan McGuire on our show. Oh, what am I doing? There's still another man whom I haven't presented, and what a man. You know, I'm here, Salou. I've already been on. Uh, no. <laughs> Not you, Bob. I'm talking about Frankie Lane. Well, what's so special about him? Let's skip Lane and get to the girls. Hey, Dean, look who's sitting there. Two big movie actresses. Well, don't get excited, Jerry. So are we. We're movie actresses. <laughs> <laughs> are you through, crew? <laughs> They don't crowd, fellas. There's enough here for everybody. Uh, thank you, darling. And one left over for somebody. <laughs> 2003 boys. It don't come out even, so I'll choose fight. No, no, you hold it, Jerry. I'll take Deborah Carr. Now, it's one girl and two boys. Amy Meany, Miney Meyer. I will choose. Dorothy McGuire. <laughs> okay, Dorothy? Dean, I don't think she likes me. Ah, oh, don't be silly, Jerry. Of course she does. I think you're a handsome, intelligent, attractive young man. I think you're real nice. So if you like me, you take me out. <laughs> I'll tell you what, Germ. You and I'll take Deborah. Oh, yummy. I'll take Dorothy McGuire. Okay, fellas, we're all set to take the girls out after the show. Pass the sentence. <laughs> now, just wait a minute. I've been standing here listening to this juvenile Casanovian vivel with ill-concealed contempt. Using this show to divide up two lovely ladies is a disgusting display of ill manners and bad taste as I have ever seen. Hello, Miss Bankhead. Ah, Frankie Lane, darling. So just in time, Frankie. Just in... Okay, fellas, we're all set to take the girls out after the show. Pass the sense, then. Now, <laughs> uh, just wait a minute. I've been standing here listening to this juvenile Casanovian vivel with ill-concealed contempt. Using this show to divide up two lovely ladies is as disgusting a display of ill manners and bad taste as I have ever seen. Hello, Miss Bankhead. Ah, Frankie Lane, darling. <laughs> but just in time, Frankie. But just in time. Three of us couples are going out after the show. Okay, I'll take Dorothy McGuire. Uh, she's spoken for, darling. So, okay, I'll take Deborah Carr. Sorry, someone's taking her. Well, uh... Well, I, uh, could call my wife. Maybe she'll want to go. Isn't it sweet? <laughs> well, what about me? Well, if my, uh, wife can go, uh, we'll need a babysitter. What? <laughs> Sing your song, Lane. Okay, I'm gonna live till I die. Meredith, if you please. If you're troubled by the blues Wise up before you reach the end Oh, don't be so unhappy, my friend 
cry. I'm gonna take the town and turn it upside down. I'm gonna live till I die. They're gonna say what a guy. I'm gonna play for the sky. Ain't gonna miss a thing. I'm gonna have my fling. I'm gonna live, live till I die. The blues are low. I'll make them stay low. They'll never trail over my head. I'll be a devil till I'm an angel. But until then, hallelujah's gonna dance. Gonna fly. I'll take a chance riding high. Before my number's up, I'm gonna fill my cup. I'm gonna live, 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 live till I die. You gotta laugh instead of cry. You gotta play for the sky. You gotta sing and have your sing. I'm gonna laugh. He's gonna laugh. I'm gonna play. He's gonna play. I'm gonna sing, smile, dance, and live. Till I die. I'm gonna laugh instead of cry. I'm gonna take the town and turn it upside down. I'm gonna live, live, live till I die. They're gonna say, what a guy. I'm gonna play for the sky. Ain't gonna miss a thing. I'm gonna have my fling. I'm gonna live, live, live till I die. The blues are living so low. I'll make them say the solo. They'll never trail over my head. I'll be a devil till I'm an angel. But until then, hallelujah's gonna dance, 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 gonna fly. I'll take a chance riding high. Before my number's up, I'm gonna fill my cup. I'm gonna live, live, live till I die. Live, live until I die. Before my number's up, I'm gonna fill my cup. I'm gonna live, 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 live until I Here is something you should know if you ever suffer from the sudden pain of headaches, neuritis, or neuralgia. It's a way to ease the pain, often within a few minutes. A way that is incredibly fast and effective. It's Anison. Anison is like a doctor's prescription. That is, Anison contains not just one, but a combination of medically proven active ingredients in easy-to-take tablet form. Thousands of people were first introduced to Anison through their own physicians or dentists. But today these tablets are in such widespread use that all drug counters have them, and anyone may enjoy their benefits. Next time you suffer from the pains of a headache, neuritis, or neuralgia, by all means try Anison. You'll like the convenience of Anison tablets, and you'll be delighted with Anison's incredibly fast action. A-N-A-C-I-N. Anison. Ask for Anison by name today at your druggist. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we welcome to the big show, The Actors' Company of Hollywood, which is composed of some of the outstanding creative artists in Hollywood, who have brought the living American theater to the West Coast. 
Tonight, the Actors' Company has graciously invited me to appear with them in a radio adaptation of Claire Booth Luce's Broadway play, The Women. The scene is in the living room of Mary Haynes on Park Avenue, the time, afternoon, the occasion, canasta. Dorothy McGuire appears as Peggy, Deborah Carr as Mary, and I play Sylvia. Ladies and gentlemen, the Actors' Company. Sylvia. I think I'd better join the others. I haven't seen Mary's children yet. They're just back from the park. Wait, Peggy. I've got something to tell you. I'll burst if I have to wait. Oh, I knew you had something. I'm not sure you should tell me, Sylvia. Now, don't be stupid, Peggy. Stephen Haynes is two-timing Mary. He's playing around. He's got a girl. Oh, I don't believe it. Is it true? Wait till you hear. Now, you know I go to Michael's for my hair. You ought to go, Pet. I'll despise whatever does yours. Well, that's the most wonderful you manicures there. Aren't I near divine look, dear? A jungle red. Go on, Sylvia. What are you trying to say? Well, now, this manicurist is marvelous. Was doing my nails. And I was looking through Vogue. You know, the one with Mary in the Beaux Arts Ball costume. Oh, yes, she wore a white and powdered wig. Uh, and she looked lovely. Oh, uh, yes. Well, now, this manicurist, uh, oh, Mrs. Fowler, she said. Is that the Mrs. Haynes who is so awfully rich? And what difference does it make to her? Oh, I forget what she said next. You know how these creatures are babble, 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 babble. Never let it for a moment. When suddenly she said, I know Mr. Haynes' girlfriend. Oh, how could you listen to her? Listen to her, my dear. How do you suppose I felt? I couldn't very well shut her up. I mean, I had to find out who the other woman was. <laughs> Does Mary know about this? No, but she's bound to find out. If a woman's got any instinct, she feels when her husband is off the reservation. <laughs> I know I would, but not Mary. If only there was some way to warn her. Sylvia, you're not going to tell her. Why, certainly not, my dear. But I'd die before I'd be the one to hurt her like that. Couldn't someone shut that manicurist up? A good story like that? A lot of these girls care whose lives they ruin. Dirty, isn't it? Foul! <laughs> my dear, the whole thing's just dustingly unfair to Mary. I feel like, like a disloyal skunk. Well, just knowing about it. You know, I worship Mary. She's my dearest friend in the world. Heaven, help her. <laughs> Shut up, Peggy. Here she is. Shut up. I'm so sorry to have kept you. I was talking to Stephen. Where are the others? They're in with the children, Mary. Well, uh, darling, how is Stephen, the old dear? And did you give him my love? I did, Sylvia. Stephen's not so well. Oh. What's the trouble? Nervous indigestion. That's why I have a plain cook now. Oh, there's nothing worrying Stephen. Oh, no. He's just been working late. He's not coming home again tonight. Oh, are you sure it's worth, darling, and not a beautiful blonde? <laughs> oh, Sylvia. Well, Stephen's a very attractive man. Mm, isn't he? I can't imagine why he hasn't deserted me for some glamorous creature long ago. Oh, Mary, you do sound smart. Oh, let me be, Peggy. How can you be too sure of what you believe in most? I wouldn't be sure of anyone if you we were able to get up and totter across a room. <laughs> I always tell my spouse... If you ever manage to make a fool of me, I'll deserve what I get. You certainly will. Oh, Mary, have you seen my new nail color? How do you like oh, that? It's attractive, Sylvia. Oh, you can't imagine how it stays on. I get it at Michael's. You want to go, Mary. Uh, Sylvia. Oh, a wonderful new manicurist. Olga's her name. She's marvelous. Let's play canasta. Now, look, Mary, they call it Jungle Red. It looks as if you'd been tearing at somebody's throat. 
Oh, that does it, Peggy. I'll never tell you another thing. That will be just fine. Now, girls, I really do like Sylvia's polish. It's new and smart. Michael, Olga, Jungle Red. I remember that. Shall we cut the deal, Sylvia, you and I? I feel lucky today. Do you, darling? <laughs> well, you know what they say, lucky in cards. <laughs> Michaels, Olga, Jungle Red. Yes, I went to Michaels, and I had my nails done by Olga. And I had my world destroyed, too. I found out what my friends already knew. Stephen had another woman, Crystal Allen. The place they send wives with shattered worlds is called Reno. It wasn't long before we were there. Oh, yes, Peggy and Sylvia had to go, too. Divorce seemed to be catching. Well, Sylvia, what are you doing in Reno, Peggy? <laughs> I couldn't resist the slot machine. I can imagine. Well, relax, darling. You'll get a better break from those one-armed bandits than you got from dear husband John. And I suppose you came here for the rodeo? Uh, don't be crude, dear. <laughs> What if he does look a little bent when he's not on his horse? <laughs> he's the best I could find in this town. At least I'm not going to sit around and mope like Mary. Now, don't start anything, Sylvia. This is Mary's last night. She gets a decree tomorrow. I'm praying she'll get a call from New York tonight. You mean Mary would take Stephen back? Well, why not? Why not? You think I wouldn't take John back? That is, if we hadn't feuded so terribly over money. Oh, stop sniveling. You and Mary have no pride. I'd roast on a before I'd take Howard Fowler back. <laughs> Kicking me out like that after all I sacrificed. You did? What did you do? I gave him my youth. But I got paid plenty. <laughs> the skunk. Oh, Sylvia, why do you hate Mary so? I don't hate her. It's just that she was always so smug about her husband and her happiness. Now she's down like all the rest of us. Yes, Sylvia. I'm down now. We're all in the soup together. By the way, here's a letter that came for you. Oh, thanks. I uh, uh, haven't heard from Stephen, I suppose. No. It's too late for that, I'm afraid. Oh, well, sweetheart, he's hardly worth a broken heart. The less you have to say about me and Stephen, the better I like it. Well, I'm only trying to cheer you up. That's more than you do for me. I'm doing enough just being pleasant to you. Ah, you have got the gist, Now, you let Mary alone. We're all in the same fix. Oh, I'm just trying to make her see that life isn't over just because Stephen let her down. I'm glad you've adjusted to the inevitable, Sylvia. What do you mean by that crack, darling? She means what we read in the New York papers this morning. Your husband is marrying Miriam Aaron of the Vanities. Why, you little... No, Sylvia. Did you know this? Oh, Sylvia, why do you care? You don't love Howard. Oh, Mary, how could you do this to me? I'm terribly sorry, Sylvia. This humiliation, this carefully timed insult. And after all I've done for you... And what have you done for me? I warned you. I'm not exactly grateful for that. Oh, aren't you? Listen to me, you ball of conceit. You're not the object of pity, you suppose. Plenty of the girls are tickled to death you got those coming to you. You deserve to lose Stephen, you stupid way you acted. But I always stood up to you like a loyal friend. What thanks do I get? You knew about this woman you stood by gloating. Why get out you... of here. Get out. I hate you, I hate you. I hate everybody. I hate everybody. You wait. Someday you'll need a woman friend. Then you'll make me. Well... That is that. Oh, Mary, what are we doing here? What is happening to us? We're being written off the books, Peggy. 
But you haven't given up, Mary. Not really. You still think in your heart that Stephen will call. Don't you, Mary? Don't you? No. No, Peggy, it's too late. If he were going to call, he wouldn't have waited until now, the very last minute. We need someone to protect us from all this. A woman's best protection is the right man. And obviously, your John isn't the right man, Peggy, and you'll forget all about him in another month. Another month? Oh, no. No, I, I can't stand it here another moment. Oh, I can't, Mary. I can't. But Peggy, what's the matter with you? I'm going to have a baby. Oh, Mary, what shall I do? Do? Well, there's only one thing to do. A New York operator. Peggy, what's the number? Eldorado 52075. Eldorado 52075. Oh, I can't tell him now. Oh, Mary, I know I was wrong, but it's no use. You just don't know the things he said to me, and I have my pride. Reno's full of women who all have their pride. Hello? Mr. Day, please. Reno calling. Just hold on a moment. Hello, John. Oh, no, 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 I'm not sick. Oh, John, I, I'm going to have a baby. Oh, my dear. Are you? Oh, dearest. Do you? Oh, dear, so am I. Of course I forgive you. Oh, yes, precious. Yes, lamb. On the very next train. Oh, Johnny, when I get back, things are going to be so different. And, dear, do you mind if I reverse the charges? <laughs> oh, Mary, I've got to pack. Oh, Mary, I can't bear to leave you here alone. Why don't you, why don't you do something about Stephen? It's different with me, Peggy. Stephen is marrying another woman. But she doesn't love him. I do. That's the way it is. But, Mary, why don't you fight for him? Your marriage isn't really ended until you end it. Fight? Yes. Why not, Peggy? Why not? Fight the way other women fight. You're right, Peggy. It isn't ended, is it? If your heart doesn't say so, it's not ended. <laughs> This powder room looks like ladies' night at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> Here, Peggy, try my lipstick. I can't bear how that shade you're using. Thanks, Sylvia. What do you think of the party? Gruesome. I hate this top. You know, uh, Mary is here tonight. Yes, I saw her. First time she's been out in a year. Why, do you suppose? She's here because Stephen is here and his new wife. Well, why should Mary be here because Stephen's here? Don't tell me she's still in that punching. Well, why not? Now, look here, Sylvia. You knew that crystal, crystal creature, didn't you? I met her. What makes you think Mary thinks she has a chance? I've got a hunch you could tell her that. Hmm, maybe I could. Oh, what do you mean? That Stephen of hers is a Puritan. Bless his little Plymouth Rock soul. <laughs> My psychoanalyst tells me that men of his generation were brought up to believe that wives who carry keys to other apartments are strictly for burning. What are you talking about? Well, I shouldn't be talking about it at all. But I will tell you this. I visited this crystal a month ago, and while she was bathing, I rummaged around and came across a key. A little gold key. A key? To what? To an apartment where the new Mrs. Stephen Haynes still sees an old boyfriend, Jim Winston. Sylvia, you've got to tell Mary. Tell Mary what, girls? Oh, Mary, you're looking ravishing. <laughs> this your first night out since Reno? Yes, darling. I'm a recluse. Stay home and brood. Mary, you've been sitting out there in that club all night with Jim Winston. I've seen how he is. Intoxicated as usual, I'll bet. Yes, Sylvia. Find out anything, darling? Plenty. I think he's the secret in Crystal's life. Aha, so you have been digging. 
Well, I hope you know what you're talking about, dearie. Yes, I know what I'm talking about, Sylvia. I know all about Crystal and Jim Winston, and Jim Winston is just waiting for me to cue him so that he can tell Stephen everything about his precious new wife. Good girl. Yes, Jim Winston thinks I'm a very much abused gal. His western chivalry is about to light up like a crepe Suzette. Well... This couldn't be the little Mary who put herself high on the pedestal above all us poor, downtrodden, unfaulted females a year ago. Now, Julia, <laughs> you have the proof Mary needs. Give her that key. What key? My darling, I never become embroiled in divorce actions, other people's. I photograph terribly. <laughs> Come on, Sylvia. For once in your life, play ball. Give Mary that key. Mary, do you mean you'll take that flute as leftovers? I'll take him, thank you. I love him. Why, Mary, haven't you any pride? Pride? That's a luxury a woman in love can't afford. But what do you do if I give you the key? If it's what I think it is, I'm going out there right now and let Jim Winston tell Stephen the truth, the whole truth about Mrs. Crystal Haynes. Then I'll move in and get him back. Why, Mary, I believe you will. Well, here, darling, take the key. Incidentally, pet, it's for 807 Gothic Arms, a real flea bag. <laughs> uh, but the elevator boys make excellent witnesses. Make way for a lady who is about to fight for her man and no holds barred. Why, Mary, what a dirty female trick. I had a year to sharpen my claws, darling. How do you like my nails, Sylvia? Jungle red, pet. Good night, ladies. Oh, Deborah, Deborah Dorothy, don't go away, darling. I want to have some girl talk with you in just a moment. Right now, a man named Bing Crosby wants to say something. By the way, Bing, do you happen to catch Bob Hope's program? Oh, Ken, the Bob Hope show is an absolute must in the Crosby household. Good. Every Tuesday night, we all gulp our dinner down and we dash madly for the radio. We all sit in a semicircle and we, we pay strict attention. Oh. The first one to laugh has to wash the dishes. <laughs> uh, I see you make a regular game out of it. Yeah. Huh? Oh, then you heard Bob mention the new Chesterfield poster, the one that shows him holding up the new Chesterfield Christmas carton. Oh, indeed I did. I heard him plug my Santa Claus likeness on the carton, too. Ah, uh, you know, but you make a very convincing Papa Santa Claus. Well, I've had the modicum of practice. Anyway, it's a wonderful gift for just about everyone you want to get a gift for. Chesterfield, Chesterfield, always wins her plate. That's milder, mild tobacco, never leaves an aftertaste. So open a pack, give them a smell. Then you'll smoke them. This Christmas, give Chesterfield Christmas cartons with Bing as Papa Santa Claus. Hey, Tulu. What about? Well, Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis, and I would like to do our version of the women. <laughs> we call it the fellers. Well, let's hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, the actors' company. Sydney. <laughs> what is it, Marvin? I love your drapes. Thank goodness someone noticed them. I've been wearing them for three weeks and my wife never said a word. Before we were married, she noticed everything I wore. You know how we met. I was a car hop at a drive-in. Oh, I remember when you worked there. You sure could fill a pair of tight slacks. 
And then some. Thank you, Marvin. I remember when you were thin, too. Say, speaking of blubber, have you seen Piggy lately? Not so loud. He's in the next room fixing his face. Fixing his face? How did he manage to do that? It's so hard to get parts these days. Geez, here it comes now. Get a load of that hair, will you? Hair? I thought it was a helmet. Oh, hello! <laughs> hello, Piggy. Say, I like your hair. You mean it? You like this color? Jungle red. <laughs> oh, yes. It goes so well with your eyes. <laughs> oh, that's because he cries so much. No woman is worth it, Piggy. There are other fish in the sea. I don't like fish. I like women. <laughs> Look, what are you worried about, Pig? After your wife gets a divorce, you'll find somebody else. There are two million women in New York. Yeah, but they don't want to get married. How do you know? I asked them. Ah, <laughs> uh, don't cry, Piggy. I want my wife. I miss my poopsie. <laughs> so go on home to your poopsie. Go ahead. I can't. Why not? She hits me. <laughs> Besides, I overheard my caddy telling the masseur that Poopsie is going out with Fred. That's a lot. Fred is going out with Muriel. <laughs> but, uh, what about Velma? <laughs> Velma broke off with Fred when she saw him with Isabel. <laughs> Where? <laughs> Isabel. Why, Isabel told Martha that Selma isn't speaking to Miriam since Dolores found that gold key to Maxine's medicine cabinet in Tallulah's slack. <laughs> Would you mind repeating the question? I don't carry tail. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm going out and paint the town red. Jungle red, of course. How about it, Marvin? Want to come along with me? Yeah, I'd love to, Sidney, but my little six-year-old niece has come to visit me. Piggy, will you look after Marvin's niece? Me? But your niece is a stranger to me. Marvin, what is your niece? A boy or a girl? <laughs> well, a girl. Does she hit? I don't like to be hit by a stranger. Oh, you'll get along fine with her. Come on, Sidney, let's go. Okay, see you later, Piggy. Now I got to take care of a stranger. Oh, me. Oh, my. Golly gee. Here I sit, all alone. Gee, I said I sit all alone and the telephone rang. <laughs> oh, it hurts me. Hello? Oh, Pussy, am I glad you called? I'm in terrible trouble. You gotta take me back. I didn't want to tell you this before, but now you gotta take me back. You gotta. I'm expecting a little stranger. <laughs> And that was real fun. Well, boys will be boys. <laughs> and now to the girls. Come on over, Deborah Carr and Dr. McGuire. Aren't they lovely? Two famous, famous movie actresses. We've all seen and admired many, many times. Our very dear friends. Oh, darlings, I keep forgetting which one of you is Deborah Carr. <laughs> I am. And which one of you is Tallulah Bankhead? <laughs> Darling, there is only one Tallulah Bankhead. Yes. And isn't her name Betty Davis? <laughs> no, isn't he sweet? 
Darling, Darcy, 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 how are you, dear? I never think of you without remembering the brilliant Claudia that you were. Aren't you ever coming back to Broadway? Well, I think about it now and then, Tallulah, but my picture work takes all my time. It's not so easy as the theater. Oh, darling, the theater is quite exhausting. Exhausting? Two and a half hours a night from 8.30 to 11? What do you do from 11 till 8.30 the next night? I shake hands with my admirers. <laughs> of course. Motion picture work is all right, I suppose. I made one here a few years ago. Lifeboat. I doubt if you see it. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> well, anyway, when I finish it, I dash right back to my dear old Broadway. Didn't they ever call you back to make a sequel? Son of Lifeboat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've had offers, of course. But you were busy shaking hands. Yes, Deborah, darling. Well, it's all right to make a picture now and then, but I can't understand how you can stay away from New York so long. The home of the living theater, you especially, Darcy. Bonds of the theater, you might say. Oh, I love California. We all do. The palm trees, the coconut trees, the banana trees. Well, of course, Bongo, if you don't have to want to leave the Congo. <laughs> but I prefer Broadway anytime. I don't know why. We have radio here, too, you know. Oh, Deborah, I'm not on radio alone. Besides radio, I take an active interest in the theater. I lecture, make records. I'm spread out all over the place. <laughs> yes, dear, but in that dress, it doesn't show at all. <laughs> what? And besides, Delilah, we don't only make pictures. We have a theater here, which is very much alive. The Actors Company. Oh, of course you have, and it's cute to dabble in the arts, I suppose. I'd be glad to join your little group if it will help you out. Oh, I'm sorry, Tallulah. It's the actor's company. That was the unkindest cut of all. <laughs> Deborah, you know my work in the theater. You remember me on the stage in England? Well, I was a small child at the time. Uh, <laughs> it is sweet. I see the two of you against me. You began it. The two of you picking on me. You started picking on me. No, oh, I'm not a good actress. Huh? Now, who I'm was good. it said which one of you is Deborah Carr? Nathan Hale. What difference does it make? <laughs> was it a joke? Or are your eyes bad? Oh, I spent a lifetime in the theater. If you'll admit your eyes are bad, I'll apologize. You stand there and tell me I can't join your actor's company. Was it a joke or was it your eyes? How the mighty have fallen. Was it your eyes? Look, how many fingers am I holding up? Twelve, so what? <laughs> the think of the name of Zula Bankett, a symbol of the living theater, should be destroyed in ground ashes. This is the unkindest cut of all. Oh, Tallulah, I'm sorry. Oh, dear, Tallulah, please don't take it this way. Of course, you're a great actress. We were only joking. Oh, we apologize, Tallulah. It breaks my heart to see you crying. <laughs> Actors come in, please. <laughs> That's our show for this week. We're now for New York again, where we'll bring you next week, uh, Sunday, Christmas Eve, and what a load of presents we'll distribute. Jimmy Durante, Bert Law, Robert Merrill, Margaret O'Brien, Edith Piaf, Fran Warren, Ed Wynn, and Meredith Wilson of the big show, Oxford Chorus, and we are dedicating our Christmas Eve show to all our men in uniform all over the world. Until then, darlings. Victor, world leader in radio, first in recorded music, first in television.
by Chesterfield, the only cigarette that combines mildness with no unpleasant aftertaste, and by the makers of Anderson for fast relief from pain of headaches, uritis, and neuralgia. Martin and Lewis appeared through the courtesy of Hal Wallace, producer of Dark City. Okay, y'all, it's Pepsi Mama back at you again, and um, Victor is kicking me out, so I have to put on my shoes and go home. And so that means I got to tell y'all to put back on your shoes. Like if you're like uh, most of us hillbillies and you like to take your shoes off, <laughs> uh, that's one way that I get comfortable is to just sit down and take my shoes off. <laughs> but uh, uh, you can listen to us now. Uh, the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday has its own podcast. So um, if you don't want to go through the Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway uh, channel, you can just tell your podcast player to play or however you do it. You can tell them that you want the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday podcast, S-U-N-D-A-E, for Sunday uh, again, if you want to write to me with questions and comments or what have you, it's Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-E, at gmail.com. Everybody have a good week. I don't know for sure what I'm going to be doing this next week, but uh, I guess you'll see. Bye, everybody. It's going to be good. Well, sure, sure. Bye, everybody.